Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the Co-Optional Podcast on the 19th of January 2016, brought to you by Crunchyroll.com slash Total Biscuit. Crunchyroll, you say? Crunchyroll, I say. Interesting, because the new season has started, and I found a show that I'm super jazzed about, in all seriousness. Go on, let's hear it, because we we just finished Log Horizon, we're maybe looking for a new show. We did try that one with the crazy dog, and it is amusing. But the one with the crazy dog. There is a cra- there's a one with the crazy dog on Crunchyroll, which it, it's it seems to be a guy that is basically Jesse Cox. Like he only works right? on the internet. Mm-hmm. He, I, don't, I don't think he has any real friends, from what I can tell. Okay. But there's this dog that he has. Now they claimed it was an Akita. That's a lie. It's a Shiba Inu. I know this because I have Akitas. Uh, but for some reason, <clears throat> it, it's just weird, and the dog doesn't seem to realize that the human can't understand him. Like, he he suddenly comes to this realization, he thinks he's been talking to his owner the entire time, but huh. his owner doesn't get it. No, so, I don't think I've seen that before. It's it's one of those kind of very short, weird ones, you know, because you know that cat one that's like two minutes? Uh-huh. Um, it, it's, sort of, it's sort of like that. It's it's kind of amusing. Uh, yeah, it's called mm. uh, Love, Lovely uh, Muku with like right, seven yeah. views. So what, what have you been watching on crunchyroll.com slash totalbiscuit, which is the source for high quality anime and get your free trial today, crunchyroll.com slash totalbiscuit. Totes. Uh, okay, I've got a like actual series. I think this show's going to be awesome one. And I have a weird short form that I'm also excited okay. about. So the one that I think is seriously dope is called Erased in all caps. Okay. Um, I read the description and I was like, ah, that sounds like it could be okay. And then I saw that it literally only had five star ratings. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, maybe that, I should that... maybe I should go into this expecting like to be, you know, should be reasonable. Have, have a good viewing yeah. experience. Uh-huh. Yeah, watch the first two episodes. It's fantastic. I highly recommend it. I'm super super excited for it. And then the short form is uh, called Seco Boys, and it's about. Uh, a boy idol band where all of the boys are actually statues. Oh, okay. They're literally statues. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Seco boys. It's great. And and the girl who used to be in art school who had to draw uh, sculptures the entire time she was in art school and then she left so that she could be a manager for entertainment, but then it just turned out that she was the manager of a boy group that was made entirely oh, of statues. Fair enough. I've got, so I'm going to ask you one question. Uh, as someone mm-hmm. that never really followed Gundam, should I try the latest one, Iron-Blooded Orphans? Like, oh, you totally should. C- can I, I get into that Orphans. without having any experience with Gundam? You don't need any kind of a past Gundam experience okay. at all, I don't think. All right, uh, I'll, I'll check that out. Uh, there was one thing I would like to point out that was really good for the wrestling nerd in me. So I was watching World Trigger, which it, it goes through its good arcs and its bad arcs. It's got a lot of filler. Uh, currently, I don't really like what they're doing with the story, but uh, they did some pretty cool stuff. They did a crossover with New Japan Pro Wrestling. They had a wrestler voice act a character and then at the end explain how he was going to use his finishing move to kill all the aliens, which I thought was amazing. Uh, the wrestler's name is Okada. Uh, his whole gimmick is that he has a lot of money, and he's okay. kind of a playboy. So every time he wins, like Okada bucks rain from the sky, and his uh, and the name of his finishing move is the Rainmaker. And he's talking about using the Rainmaker to basically clothesline the fuck out of aliens, which I thought was um, hilarious. <laughs> and I want more Sounds of like that. Sounds like anime. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Crunchyroll.com slash Total Biscuit. Go and check it out for brand new seasons. I know Gate just restarted. I am. Go to go up against my sponsorship and say don't watch Gate, it's bad. But <laughs> 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 uh, 
but you know, never mind. I know there's a bunch of other stuff on there. Welcome to the Corruptional Podcast. We do occasionally talk about video games when we're not shilling for our sponsor that gives us lots of money. I would like to welcome our guest for the show today. He is from Australia, which is why he doesn't have a camera, because honestly, you know, if it's 4am, you don't want to be on camera. I don't blame him one little bit. His name is Idiotech Gaming. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It is an absolute pleasure. It's very rare that we get Aussie guests, considering we go for a live show and we literally pick the worst possible time <laughs> ever for you. Yeah, it's kind of terrible. I, I didn't sleep at all. Um, but that's fine. That's fine. I'm actually a shill Aussie because I was born in the UK. But That's fair. Still. I'll, I'll, there's, qu there's quite a few of those. There's quite a few of those. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we ran away. Yeah, a lot of the games <laughs> critics seem to run off to Australia for some reason. Yeah. Like, why is that? Yeah, I don't know. Britain's not, not that good these days. Yeah, it's pretty rubbish. I mean, I, I mean, blame mostly David Cameron. Yeah, I did. I absolutely did. And it was probably because of David Cameron. Yeah. Doesn't <laughs> Australia, like, specifically in the video game sense, get shafted a lot on yes, shit? Yes, we do. On pretty much fucking everything. Yeah, right. you have to pay a fortune, to right? we, we pay, not only that, but we now have recently, our government has introduced a tax on any overseas purchase. Son of a so bitch. So it's a 3% tax. So every time I buy a Steam game, 3% tax. And the bank oh, charges no. that. The bank charges it and gives it to the government. So that's, that's on bollocks. everything. Then we pay, say, like sixty US dollars, but but we'll pay like ninety or whatever because of our exchange rate. Yeah. Then we have that tax, and then we get screwed with broadband. We get releases later. We get low violence versions of video games. It's terrible. Don't move here if you like video games. Yeah. Also, the communities online are always dead. So if you do buy a game and you like a game, then the community will die in no time at all because we only have oh, twenty two yeah. million people okay. in this country. You know, so it, it's bad. Just don't live here. Are you? Do you regret going there and not I being in the UK choice. anymore? <laughs> I didn't have a choice. My He's on the run you. from the law. He had I to see. go. Yeah, I that, see. that was kind of part of it. Yeah. That's, no. Yeah. Um, my family, my family moved, so I just kind of had to go. But um, and I've just stayed you. here because I'm, you know, it's it's got beaches because it's a giant <laughs> island and it's pretty hard to get out of it without a lot of money. <laughs> there is there is a reason that, that we picked it as a prison colony. You know, it's pretty yeah. hard to get yeah. out of. Fair. Yep. Yeah, yep. fair enough. And the drop bears, you know? Yes, the drop bears. Yep. You shouldn't come here because of that. Because of the drop bears specifically. They yeah. interfere with the internet connection. Like, pings are high because of drop bears landing no, on power but, lines. But seriously, I wanted to do this YouTube thing like five years ago, and I was on 56K at the time, and then I was on 1.5 meg. Years in, is it 2001? What no, I know, right seriously. I, was on, I, I had broadband in 2001. I mean, 56K was, on, was 1995. Was 1.5 meg until about six seven months ago and oh, then Jesus. and then our country decided that they would give us decent internet so i now have 100 down 40 up which means i can do things on the yeah, internet you're you better nice. up than me fuck you yeah <laughs> yeah awesome. well the government the government subsidized that so thank well i mean that's really what you're going to join the 21st century which is, I mean, is frankly that's exactly to, yeah. what america should have done i mean you know the, the problem here is that we just don't have a choice as to what our provider is you know i got lucky recently that google fiber is moving to charlotte so now uh, time warner is panicking and suddenly magically out of nowhere they can offer me six times down what they used to and four times up what they used to i'm still paying my out of my ass for it but you know it's it, it is an absolute joke i mean i don't think that internet connectivity and the infrastructure should be in the hands of private sector companies especially when they have regional monopolies because they have no incentive whatsoever to improve it yeah there is yeah i, I will I mean, say you know that the weird thing about australia is that Especially for StarCraft, it's caused uh, th that kind of regional isolation that we're talking about in terms of the multiplayer community has caused a really 
weird situation for Australia. Like, there's actually a surprising number of great StarCraft players in Australia because they have two choices of where to play. Either they play on Australia, which is shit, or they play on Korea, where they die. So they go and play on Korea, and they get a lot better. And they get fucking awesome. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Yep, huh. yep, that, that's exactly what I did. That's what pretty much everyone I know did. We tried playing on NA because there was more people, but we had like 400 ping. Yeah, your ping sucks, so, yeah. So we all basically had to buy second accounts in Korea. But yeah, yeah I was kind of Thankfully don't have to do that, that anymore. But, uh, yeah, it is, yeah, it is interesting. They're actually supporting the Aussie scene a lot more in 2016. Like, they're going to have their own tournaments and all that kind of thing, which oh, I thought was awesome. really cool. Yeah, I've, I've met a lot of the Aussie StarCraft players, and they're great. They're all, they're all great. Uh, and to be honest, like we really need those guys in the scene because not only can they sometimes beat the Koreans, but they're also hilarious on the mic. And the problem yeah. with StarCraft is that a lot of our players are really boring people. <laughs> they yeah. you just You give them I mean, a microphone, it's, it's like, I, I would like to show good games. Um, I, I hope that my fans will cheer for me. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, please throw some shade at your opponent. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, why, it's why I liked Idris so much. Attention. Because he caused controversy all the time, and he was oh, a character also, that, that uh, I yeah. could be interested Idra, in. Fuck though. Just so we are all on the same page. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you, you should know what a bit about Idra now, Jesse. Didn't he move to Heroes? No, I don't know anything about Idra. All I know oh, okay. is that, is that <laughs> uh, fuck at, that guy. Because he came at me for no reason one day, and I just want to let him know. That's Idra. Fuck you, you whiny wow. little bitch. That's all I have to say. Wow. But as that's a beef. That's beef right there. If I have to start beef, that's the guy I want to start beef with. <laughs> with Idra? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But as it's a personality, like a though, it was entertaining late, to follow him. Yeah, he was. Oh, yeah. Everyone yeah. was, was invested in Idra. Like, you, you know, the fans of Idra wanted to watch him win. And the thing is, like, back in his day, he was very capable of doing that. Uh, you yeah. know, he was he was the best foreigner, you know, because he, he'd yeah. spent a lot of time in Korea with Brood War getting wrecked by girls, quite literally. Um, you know, but outside of that, like, he was... He was just getting his ass kicked in Korea, but he got good at it, and he had a good work ethic. And then he was like the most dominant f- foreign force for a good couple of years, I would say, in StarCraft. Yeah, in the beta, he was, he was pretty much on top. Yeah, he was. Uh, but people that didn't want to watch him win loved to watch him lose. So it was a win-win. Yeah. If Idra played yeah. anything, the views would go up, you know? Yeah. So everyone was like, yeah, we're inviting Idra to our tournament. Absolutely. He'll probably give the finger to his opponent at some point in camera and our sponsors will get upset, but then our sponsors will see the numbers and not give a fuck anymore. Yeah, that's... What I mean, was, like, honestly... Sorry, what you was, go. Uh, what was the game, like, forever ago where he was obviously winning and then rage quit because he thought he was oh, going to lose? Th- yeah, there's been several of those. So How, there, there's, there's, like, one specific one I've watched the clip okay, of so many so times. there's a famous incident because so uh, Idra and Huck used to be rivals, right? Uh, because they were on def- different teams. Huck was on uh, Team Liquid for a while, and EG-, and EG had Idra, and EG and TL was the big rivalry for a long time. And one of those games, Idra was clearly winning. We could see that. And Huck throws this Hail Mary. Like, he can clearly not win a straight-up fight. So he creates a bunch of hallucinated Colossus using sentries. Uh, so in reality, he had one Colossus. He goes into a fight with what looks like five Colossus, Fucking Idra rage quits out because he thinks he's going to lose the fight. The next game, Huck is like typing in his... Huck can't type. Like, you need to understand. Huck can't speak proper English even though he... That's his first language. So he's like... uh, It was like, so like, just saying those were halus, like, shot for hallucinations. (laughs) Just say, you not loss. And Idra's like, fuck off in chat in the middle of an MLG broadcasted game. Um, it was, uh, yeah, and he, he also, uh, rage quit against MMA after MMA blew up his own command center 
and Idra was clearly winning. I remember that game. I remember, yeah. I remember that, remember game, that yeah. one too. So, yeah. so he was legendary for that. Yeah. So for yeah. those of you who are curious, the reason why I dislike that man is because I tweeted, I quit out of a game of Heroes of the Storm because I don't want to waste my time. Uh, this is this is terrible. Okay. Right. Like, that's what it was. It was like yeah. and I, I was like I was like hashtag I don't care. What, why was he getting? Please tell me you didn't so, get angry at that because that's exactly what he did for five fucking years. About it. That's got what he did for five years. Yeah. So that's why I and I was like, dude, what is the matter with you? I'm convinced the reason why is because either a a girl he likes was involved or look, oh. all I'm saying is Could is be. that it was uh, it was out of nowhere and I was like, dude, yeah. you are famous for that and you're coming after me. Yeah, guess I mean, I guess it's a bit a more severe this. in a team game because, you know, if you GG out in a 1v1 game, then you're just conceding the game. But if you GG out in a team game and you quit the game, then you leave everyone else in the lurch. But, I mean, I, I just, uh, just by the way, to be absolutely clear about this, I actually hung around a lot with Greg in real life, and he's actually pretty cool. He's just a kind of quiet, mild-mannered guy. But online, he is a, his persona online is is pretty ridiculous. Uh, we yeah. haven't heard much of him since he moved to Heroes, honestly. No. Yeah, he's kind of I don't know or care about that person. So but my my <laughs> real point there is that esports for me, I watched StarCraft a lot. I was very involved with StarCraft. I played it like every day for two years. Yeah, and I was very very involved in the StarCraft scene. And when I sort of it started to die off, I obviously moved on to other things. But the thing about StarCraft I enjoyed was because I understood the mechanics of the game. The yeah. reason I don't watch League of Legends or Dota is because I don't understand the mechanics of the game. The thing yeah. that would get me to watch something else, like League or CSGO, would mm. be personalities, right? And there just yeah, yeah. aren't any that I'm aware of. There are no like, I, characters that they, I can They definitely the exist, but it's hard to... I, I think because they're like, it's a team game, it's a bit harder. Yeah. That's what, literally what That's I was going to say, is that yeah. I think in a game like StarCraft, people wound up sort of standing out on their own. And yeah, whenever point. I watch a MOBA... Like any sort of MOBA team game, I'm just like, uh, I don't know. I don't really care about any of these people. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you're how supposed I to, like, there's a few teams in the world of like MOBAs that you're like, oh, there's like one or two kids on there that's like kind of a dick. That's kind of cool. <laughs> but most of them, like, most of them are like not, I don't want to say not human, but I'm going to say not human. Like, sentient <laughs> robots who. <laughs> lack all emotion and the most emotion you see is when they take photos for their like promo pics and they're all just like arms crossed like that's a uh -huh. very esports thing to oh, do it's the, the whole arms like, cross thing i yeah. hate yeah. i hate people like like when they like cross your arms cuz it makes you look bad like no <laughs> yeah. no when you have a blank like when your expression is blank and you're like like yeah, it, looks it looks so yeah, stupid. It, it looks so dumb. It's why when we ran an esports team, we just like, look, just wear a Santa hat, do some stupid <laughs> shit. Like, it's it's just better this way. <laughs> but like, I, so I want to care about esports. I really do. Um, and I think it's a great thing. But I just, I for games I haven't really played much or I'm not very good at, I find it impenetrable to be able to just get involved. Like, I can't yeah. watch Dota and, and enjoy watching it because I don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah, it, yeah. it took me a good few hundred hours of playing Dota to actually get into watching Dota Live. And I do like, I think Dota is definitely my favorite MOBA to watch. I think you know, it's mostly, it's easier to watch. Like, I find League, and bear in mind, I've actually got more League time than I have Dota time, although that's going to be changing soon when I get back into Dota. I find League really hard to watch because it's so fucking colorful. Like, it's, yeah, it's just a it's very riot noisy. of color. It's noisy, visually oh, noisy. Yep. Yep. Uh, whereas Dota, in particular, not only is it not visually noisy, but the abilities, because they're on high cooldowns, you don't see as many of them go off. And they also have yeah, a very true. big visual impact when they do. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I would agree with you on that. Like, Dota's way easier to watch. I watch the international, um, but I don't tune into anything else, you know? Yeah. It's just the international. Like, a lot that's, of people are like that. Cool. It's like you watch the Super Bowl, but you don't watch the regular season, you know? Yeah, it's, exactly. But esports yeah. does have this problem where I think that you do need to at least have some experience with the game to be able to watch it. Whereas sports, at least mainstream sports, you generally don't. And that definitely limits esports potential. But honestly, the viewers are still getting pretty fucking good anyway. You know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I don't know if I, I mean, don't know obviously if they have it's to. Just me, but I don't think it's, it's just you at all. I think it's lots of people are like that. It's just that it's just going to be I think inherent in esports. The the most popular esports actually have very complex rules, which is really yeah. interesting to me because a lot of the most popular sports don't necessarily. But the rule set for yeah. something like Dota or even Counter Strike, which is in theory quite simple, the amount of meta in there and the amount of like strategy and high level shit is there in huge amounts, and I mean, that can make it more difficult to understand. The reason they have larger audiences is obviously because they're free to play and people can try the things and learn something at least yeah. to understand how the basics work so they can get something out of it. Whereas yeah. StarCraft has that, you know, paywall barrier. It does. Yeah, yeah it definitely does. Here's what I don't understand. I don't know oh. why. <laughs> I don't know why Go nobody on. has tried to make it like, why has nobody come at making a MOBA team and promoting a MOBA team the same way that you would like a boy band? Here's the deal. I, I straight up know the answer to this because that was my original. My original like dream was to do that. I straight yeah. up know the answer. The In order to do that, you need to have good players. The good players are personalityless. I love you esports players, but most of the yeah. great players are nerds. They're nerds. They're straight up like I play this game and I express myself through kicking your ass in this game, but right. I can't be that other person you want me to be. And it doesn't work like in say the music industry where you can find five attractive you can men be like, and then put order them together. You're going to be yeah. the bad guy. Right, you're write the songs. Be the, the yeah. cute guy. You and that. you're going to be yeah. the okay. I yeah. got you. Because yeah. I mean, yeah. esports viewership potentially actually has a very high female demographic. Like it, there is one place that did do exactly what you said, and it's Korea with Brood War. Like right. the they went out of their way. There's actually some really bad photos back from in Brood War where they were putting a lot of makeup on the players and it looked ridiculous. <laughs> it was really terrible. But like uh, even in StarCraft 2 where, you know, and obviously that's dropped off a lot in Korea compared to Brood War, you've still got, you know, the fangirls are a big deal. Uh, Brood War pros in particular, you know, Bisu and Nada uh, were known for being very attractive and having a huge amount of female fans. And they would, you know, and Korea in particular has quite a focus on physical looks. I mean, you know, almost a lot of these players have plastic surgery. You know, uh, plastic wow. surgery is extremely common in South Korea for both men and women. Like, It's actually a common, like, you've graduated school gift to get a voucher for plastic surgery. It totally is. I have yeah. a couple wow. Korean friends who have no told me that their families think they're super weird for never getting plastic surgery. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very cultural thing. And as a result, uh, you, you see that translated to esports. And they, they, did, they did promote, uh, you know, if they found a player who clearly uh, was good looking, they would promote the shit out of that, you know? Um, I, I'd say, you know, Flash, Flash is obviously the most popular Korean pro gamer of all time. I mean, he'll probably be passed by Faker eventually, but Flash, you know, was a legend. You know, he was a he was a rock star over there and he was he was quite young and he, but he was attractive, had the right kind of facial structure and they played up on that in a big way and it was very successful. Uh, but it hasn't really worked mostly outside of I, I think there's a few players like um Xpeke is probably an example of someone who is far too handsome for his own good. 
And they've definitely played up on that um, as much as they can. And I think that people like XPEC-A are probably the reason why League does have the female viewing demo that it does. And it probably has a larger female demo than Dota as a result of, pe of people like that. And actually exploiting the fact that, yeah, some pro gamers are attractive. And, you know, there's a reason why people refer to them as sex peque. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just like, unfair. Nobody should be that good I'm at games and also that attractive. That's, that's bullshit. That's like, there should be a law against that. Fuck, fuck X Peke. Well, but, I mean, you, you, you probably though, like to. No. The world of. Ah, man, e I'm going to say esports groupies is like a thriving industry. That it is, really is. If you, if you, especially in fighting, the fighting game scene, if you go to Evo, you will see dudes uh, with like some of the most beautiful, <clears throat> like dolled out, cheering them on as they're like playing Street Fighter. You're like, this is amazing to witness. But I've never man, seen anything like, like this. Specifically, Street Fighter, I think, has yeah. a lot of like extreme personalities. Actually, Smash too. Have fighting just, games like, in general do. Big like, have the best and I think it's because yeah. it's um fighting games, I think, were very much grown from the ground up. And as a result, there's a there's a um, you know, there's a very interesting culture of like of shit talking and weird antics, but also you know some very big like respect on stage. But you know throwing out shade and all that sort of thing, that that's not really something that's happened in StarCraft because StarCraft was grown from a kind of prof uh, with a professional outlook from the very start. You know we had. Pro level it's also the type of person, though, I think, as well. Like, the, the kind of person who's going to excel at StarCraft is going to be very logical, very meticulous kind of individual, mm -hmm. whereas fighting games are more casual, competitive. You know, you play with your friends on your Xbox. It's, it's you know, you drink you a couple of beers. one of them that it's casual. Oh, they will, they will kill you. No, 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 no. no. I don't mean fighting games are casual. I just mean the atmosphere around fighting games is something that, like, lots of people engage in. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, I used to play it with my friend sitting in front of his TV. We used to play Mortal Kombat or whatever. It's Yeah, I and we shit talk each other while we did it, you know? Exactly. Whereas exactly. you didn't really yeah. do that with StarCraft. I think, like, on a base level, fighting games have a lower barrier to entry than something like StarCraft does, but obviously at the high level, they're absolutely not casual at all, yeah. you know? Also, another big part specifically with StarCraft, I think, is the fact that, like, the entire time that they're on stage, they're in a soundproof separate room. Yeah, they have to be. Yeah, they have to be in a soundproof <laughs> so booth, like, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I actually read a very interesting article a few weeks ago, I think, where they're starting to argue that because of how high level people have got at fighting games, they should actually not be sitting side by side anymore because they can oh. glance over at people's muscle movements and that gives them enough information to know what the next move is coming. Like, yep. people have got that good. So yeah, they're arguing that they've... Though. That's, that's part of, like, the... Yeah, it's part of the skill. I mean, there's nothing... I've never experienced any esports where you could have a moment like watching... Uh, uh, like, when Chris G, for example, is on stage, literally watching an audience turn against a person, and then him, yeah, like... Ooh, Chris him, G. him be like, what up, haters? Like, I like that's a rare thing in esports to have, like, a real that's hatred in him. It's like, a fight atmosphere. That's almost it. a wrestling kind oh, of atmosphere. Oh, great. He's yeah. a great foil. And I, hungry I, box, I, fucking hungry box, like, slowly standing up and just pacing around next to the other person and just mm -hmm. making them super wig out. Like, that sort of shit can't happen yeah. if you separate the players. Yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. the yeah. esports fighting, fighting scene is... It, yeah, it has that sort of wrestling flair that I think it a does, lot of yeah. esports doesn't have, where there, there are bad guys, and there are people that you're just like, oh my god, Wong, you can do this! And there, there's epic moments that are like, 
the the SummerSlam moments of like Chris G versus Jay Wong, right? It's this cute, it's crazy thing, and it's like, yeah. oh my god, this is a moment. You've got to have everyone... people that you're rooting to lose as well yep. as to rooting to win. Exactly. You know, that's that's what makes the the, the whole thing really uh, amusing. And you've got to you've got to have the villains. You've got to have the heels. And the people who realize that they can be a really good villain and just go ham on it, those are the really successful personalities in that world, Especially when they're good. If they're good and they- They're really good. The reason why Chris G was such a good villain is because he kept winning. Like, he was an asshole. Yeah, yeah, you've got to be able- Because he won't take him seriously if he can't back up his shit talk, you know? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. It was great. Yeah, I I do. I take back back my original statement. Fighting games (laughs) are an exception. <laughs> they're full. They're full of personality, and they are. I mean, I watched Evo, and it was fantastic. I watched yeah. every single tournament. Yeah, I, so, I did yeah. as well. Even for games that I don't play. I mean, yep, Street same. Fighter. Street Fighter Four is my jam. Like, I will go out of my way to watch Street Fighter Four tournaments because I know enough about that game to start to appreciate some of the high level stuff. But even then, you know, I'll still go and watch Killer Instinct and fucking Mortal Kombat and shit, and I've I'll still have a good time. I watched Killer Instinct. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. It was great. But I can't wait played. for it to come out on PC. That game yeah, is same. good. Like it's still the only game that my Xbox One gets turned on for now and again. It's just yeah. it's a genuinely well put together fighting game that looks great, sounds great, and has some. It is. Uh, I think it's like second only to Mortal Kombat in a game that feels like when you punch someone that you've really fucking punched them. And it's just down <laughs> to sound assets and there's little pieces of design as well. You know, the slight freezing of frames at specific times to give you this feeling of impact. You know, it's it's a it's a really nicely put together game. Like once it does come out on PC, I would strongly recommend that people look at it. It's it is not just a cash in on the old game. I, I it's better. I'm going to say this outright. The original fucking Killer Instinct was a shitty fighting game. Like, hey, it man, really it was, was my childhood, dude. Oh, it was, I know. It was a, it was I'm going to kill your childhood right here. They tried to do like a Mortal Kombat, like we're edgy. I've been back and tried edgy. to play it, and it's like, it does not stand yeah. the test of time, whereas I absolutely can play Street Fighter 2 or some of the original Mortal Kombat games. I mean, yeah. Yeah, the, Street Fighter 2 was way better, obviously, but yeah. I, I don't know. I have a special place in my heart for Killer Instinct, man. I think, um, I think a lot of people do, which is also why yeah. they should not write off the new one, because I really think that it's it's actually much, much better. You know, It really is. It's yeah. such a good game. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it to come, come to PC. I, sure. I love that I was tweeted links, as we were talking about this, tweeted links to the, to the Evo fight where the dudes ripped each other's shirts off. Shirts they off each other. Oh my god, that was so good. I'm Holy sorry, shit. I can't not laugh that at that. That was an amazing was so moment. amazing. <laughs> there was a cool intro at one point where they played the Stone Cold Steve Austin intro music, and the guy came in and like stunned the admin or whatever, and then cracked open two monsters and just went... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> this is what I want, you know, this... Uh, I like that that dramatic flair. You know, if you want to make esports more interesting to to the casual viewer, there's got to be you got to have drama. You know, get people invested in the people. Look at wrestling for that. To be honest, they should. And I could talk about that for hours, and I'm not going to because these two will go to sleep. And next week's going to be bad enough. You know, it's all drama, and 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 you know that's fun to watch. It's exciting. It makes me care about the fight. You know, it does. Wrestling can sometimes be quite boring to watch, but when you care about the people involved then it's not anymore. And yeah, that's I mean, wrestling's a weird case because you know that the fight is predetermined. So yeah. the, the challenge is getting you invested in something that you already know is predetermined. And the way you do that is through good storytelling, uh, both in the ring and out of the ring, good commentary, and building up the people. You know, there are people that we genuinely despise because they've done such a good job of making... There's a... Oh, God. Uh, th- there's, one, uh, there's one woman who... Uh, is in NXT, which is their developmental division called Dana Brooke. 
and she's a, she was a fitness model before that, like really hardworking fitness model. Like I'm she was in the Arnold Classic and stuff. Oh, you you will like her, Jesse. Uh, but and and she came in, and her ring in- entrance involves a lot of kind of like this weird showing off of her muscles. Like she'll flex <laughs> a lot, and she'll kind of like caress her own muscles and stuff. And people started to really fucking hate that. And she realized <laughs> that, and then they played that up. It's like. God, I hate you! And it's all yeah. an act, obviously. And making somebody genuinely hate you is is a skill. Like it's a talent. And you know, they, they, that's all. That's a lot of what wrestling is. And I think you can translate a lot of that to esports. Yep. Honestly. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. That's what I'd like to see more of in esports, basically. Yeah. M- more more wrestling, more feuds, more heels. I mean, the rivalry, even like old school rivalry between TL and EG was a great, you know? And they both played it up a bit too. They'd start, they'd shit talk each other on Twitter and everything like that. And they, they both benefited from that rivalry. Yeah. All right, cool. I, I, uh, I don't oh know how we got here, but what to the professional <laughs> podcast, we were talking about video <laughs> yeah. games. I would love to talk about the games we've been playing this week, if we could. Uh, Jesse's obviously doing his research in Dana Brooke, and I don't blame him for that. I, I'm actually, I am actually and more importantly i discovered most of the comments are you're absolutely right to be people hate her like yeah. the very first thing i see is dana brooke from nxt looks so trashy to me she looks like a used up porn star which fits better with tna knockout <laughs> like, Whoa, what, what? <laughs> uh, so some online wrestling fans are terrible but you've also got to bear in mind that those fans are like key to the business because right absolutely uh, wwe literally... they got Sorry. very smart when it comes to exploiting because they know that you know, right? Because, you know, kayfabe, the idea of the uh, the illusion of it being real is dead. Everyone knows yeah. it's fake. But they know that you know that. But the question is, do, do you know that they know that you know? And they play with you as a result of that. And they fuck with you. And everything down to the social media aspect of it is that. Like, I can't... Anything that a wrestler says on social media, you can't trust that it's real. Because they might be working you. You know, they might right. be deliberately trying to piss you off or play up a rivalry on the show. You know, it's, it's, I, that's why I love it so much because it's actually like wrestling is really meta. Like, it really, yeah, it's almost like, it's, it's like an ARG. It's like an alternate, alternate reality game, you know? Yeah, that's why, um, I was, th- I was thinking about that because people in chat when we were talking about fighting games and how, it's like so important in any esports to have some kind of a villain if you want people to get really attached to the players. Uh, a bunch of people were saying, "Yeah, but then doesn't that just cause people to like complain about sportsmanship and about toxicity?" I was like, "Yeah, that's the yeah, that's, that's <laughs> then they're I, getting involved in the community and oh they care." God. And they're, I would love like, for there to be like an evil an evil esports commissioner, and he's and then like a hero <laughs> character is like, you. "God damn, Jesse, you lost it." Oh my! Yeah, I want to be that commissioner. That. I want to go be the evil e- esports. All esports. Let me be your commissioner. I will fix <laughs> matches, and then you can have the fans hate me and be like, "I'm like God." Oh damn God! You're gonna be the esports version of Bellator. So there's there's an MMA promotion that kind of blends wrestling with MMA. It's called Bellator, and it kind of has that. Uh, I don't think it's very good, but y- you would be the esports equivalent of that. The weird thing is, you know, okay. esports is not esports is not a fake sport. It's a real competition. You know, yeah. so you can't you can really you can't go as far as as wrestling does because we know wrestling isn't real, but esports kind of is real, even if it's just a video game. So it, you know, it's 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 a bit strange to do that, but I think that at least one promotion should pull that off. You know, at least yeah. one, J- just to see if it would work. I'd just be really curious to know. Yeah, yeah. I would love it. All right, let's talk about yeah. the games we've been playing this week, shall we? Why don't we start with our guest, yeah. uh, Idiotech? What have you been up to this week? What's been going on? 
I've been playing quite a few games. Um, I've actually been playing two games primarily, though. Life is Strange, which I got around to playing finally after everyone told me that it was good. Um, I like it. It's it's much better in a lot of ways in the way that it's executed compared to Telltale games. Honestly, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Telltale yeah. is it's way Telltale to me needs an engine update. Like their yeah, games look like they're from five does. years ago now. Yep, I 100% agree. I mean, The Wolf Among Us is still my favorite of those types of games, but at the same time, it feels really dated and and clunky as hell to use, whereas Life is Strange feels a lot more fluid and its presentation is much better. And the music choice is actually really good. Yeah. So I think TB has mentioned also that Wolf Among Us is his favorite Telltale game, yes? I liked it, yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, right. Every time I hear someone say their favorite Telltale game, it's always that game. I couldn't have been more disappointed in that game. Really? I was, why? I don't know. I don't know why. I it was the first one that I like remember being really excited for. Was pretty excited for, especially after the first episode. I was like, holy yeah. shit. And then it progressively like got worse as it went on for me. And I was like, That's oh. how I felt about Game I of actually, Thrones. I actually agree with Jesse on that. I can look back on Wolf Among Us and say that I enjoyed it overall, but it left me wanting quite a bit. Um, right. and after it. playing, yeah, after playing Tales from the Borderlands, I was like, okay, I I liked this one. I think quite I think a it bit may more just than be any like other one I've what played. a person likes thematically, because maybe because I <laughs> I was really looking forward to the Game of Thrones one, and then after about two episodes of that, oh, I, it's I garbage. Was done. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, but Wolf Among Us, I had no expectations at all. I didn't know anything about the comic book. I knew Neither nothing. Neither did I. I just played it and really enjoyed the world and the characters and the twist on the fairy tale thing. I just loved that. I thought. And it made me want to go read the comics, which I have then done. But yes. it's it. That's why I liked it because it got me invested in a world that someone else had already created elsewhere. Yeah, I, I guess. think I'm exactly the same on that. You know, as I said, I I knew nothing about the uh, the storyline at all going in, and it captured me that way. Yeah, and that that's what kept me playing it. I think. Yeah. So anyway, life is strange. Um, I played up to about episode three, halfway through episode four, and then I sort of realized that the game was going to funnel me into sort of a very linear direction towards the end and give me an ultimatum. And I knew it was going to happen. And I was getting a little tired of the go find the bottle type missions that are in that game. There's several sort of portions of the game where it just slows right down to a crawl. And it's like, go find this item and then this item and then this. And it's really hard sometimes. Like there's this one bit with the bottle and you have to find the bottles. And it's like hidden behind like cars inside a thing. That was, was my least favorite part of that game overall. Yep. Of the whole so, thing, I was uh, like, "Why am I, I doing this?" I would have probably quit right there, honestly. So, <laughs> after dealing with that, um, I sort of decided ab about halfway through episode four, you know what? Screw this! I just want the narrative. I'm going to go watch it. So I actually watched Dodgers Let's Play. Um, <gasps> really? Yeah, I did terrible at that game. So thank you. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, there's a reason why we out. start calling you Death Bonus. Any any game that involves choice now, you end up killing people. Always. Well, actually, yeah. you seem to make exactly the same decisions I made, so it was quite Great. good. Excellent. So, um, yeah, you can't be um, upset with me. <laughs> no, I made the same poor decision with Kate, which I won't spoil, and various other things. But it, I was right in, in my assessment of it. It came down to a binary choice, and I didn't think that was particularly satisfying. And for these types of games that are based around the idea of choice and having consequences... If you then refunnel the player back down to two choices at the end of the game, then it makes me feel like I've wasted my time. So even though I liked Life is Strange for a lot of reasons, I didn't like the eventual progression of the story to just these two points where make decision A, make yeah. decision B. 
That's, no. I mean, that's a problem in not only just narrative games. I mean, you know, it's the same fucking thing that happened with Mass Effect. It's, you know, it's a game that starts here and then in the middle it's like this and then it narrows it out at the end again. And simply yeah. because having multiple real impactful endings that actually take into account what you did is really fucking hard and it takes a lot of development time. I think it's something only an indie developer could do really and justify doing because the AAA publisher would never fund like a half of a game that someone might never experience. Exactly. Yeah. They, yeah. It's right. like, wait, you're going to make that? No, that's that's dumb. Exactly. Yeah. yeah we Whereas want... Undertale kind of does that a bit, actually. Which Kinda. I yeah. actually liked about Undertale um, was the fact that it was willing to hide things and have Easter eggs and yeah, Stuff Undertale like doesn't give a fuck about the rules. That's that's yeah. the best thing about it. it. Undertale was just a game where a guy said, hey, yeah, I want to make this, and nobody's going to fucking stop me from doing that, so here we go. Yeah. But that's the freedom you get with indie development, which you True. don't get when we're a publisher. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was much... I think it's a, a good progression, a good step forward in, in that genre of game. Yes, whatever I think so. That. And we also needed someone that wasn't Telltale in there, because Telltale has been doing the same shit over and over and over again for the past five years and yeah okay they've got pretty good at it but i want to see them branch out a little bit now it's starting to get it's everything is very formulaic i i almost dread doing a video on the new telltale game they always send me the review copies which i'm very grateful for they're always proactive on that but i'm like i'm gonna say the same damn thing as i said last time aren't i it's like Your animations look like they're five years old. You've got the same damn choices. You've got the same damn QTEs. Even Tales from the Borderlands, which is, I think, probably the best game Telltale has ever made, is still incredibly similar to the other games in their series. I haven't played that one yet. It is, it is really, worth. Is it really that good? It yeah, is actually... Right. If you, if you enjoyed the idea of what the Borderlands universe could be, as in the kind of post-apocalyptic in-space Mad Max Firefly-esque nonsense with the humor, mm. but you thought the Borderlands did a shitty job of executing it and also I did. <laughs> drowned you in pointless gunplay, then play Tales from the Borderlands because it does none of those things. Okay, know? fair enough. That sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I, I played Life is Strange. Uh, I played Punch Club. Um, ah, yeah. Okay, Jesse, you played that one Sam as well, didn't you? Punch Club. <laughs> I did play Punch Club. Yes. What, what, yeah. what do you reckon to Punch Club then? Uh, it got really repetitive after about two hours. I've heard uh, a bit of that. Yeah. The, 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 <clears throat> go for it. Sorry. Yeah, you go. No. The, initially, I thought it was quite charming. I thought the humor was good. There's a lot of references to '90s and '80s culture in there. Um, the mechanics were appealing to me. It was kind of like de- uh, Game Dev Tycoon, etc., yeah, etc. But. After a while, it, it just boiled down to, I need money, go to work. Okay, now I need to train so my stats don't drop. Okay, now I need to have a fight. Okay, now I need to go to work. Now I need to train. Oh, now I need to sleep. It just got... it. The the core game loop just got really repetitive, and I didn't feel like progressing anymore. And apparently, yeah. I, I did a first impressions video on that instead of a review, which is what I normally do. And um, apparently, people in the comments were saying, no, you've pretty much seen the entire game after two hours. So, yeah, right. I mean... I, I thought the art style was really good. I thought it I did like it, yeah. the the 90s retro 16-bit thing really well, and the music was good too, but the gameplay just wasn't there for me. Yeah, I, I played a bunch after my Fan Friday video of it, and the inherent problem with that game is the stat decrease. It, a lot it of people make, complained about that. It yeah, makes it, it so no matter what you do, you are constantly going back to that grind of like, I got to keep these stats up or it's just going to keep falling. And... I don't know that it makes sense that every day you your stat you lose stats. It should be like if you don't work out, then you lose stat. Like, but if yeah. you're going to the gym and still working out, like losing 18 points of stamina makes no sense. Yeah, it's like wait no, a minute, why? Why is that? A- 
and it happens every day. You can, you can lock it in a skill tree. You can at level sort of, four, which is like at level four, which is somewhat helpful, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. And, and because it's a game where it's like you have to constantly fight and you have to constantly challenge people, but at the same time live and make money. You're 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 screwed if you do it's, too much of one thing. So it's just like, oh my god. If yeah. you boil also, this game down, it's a it's a numbers min-maxing game, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. And yep. honestly, living and making money isn't particularly interesting. Oh like, no, not at all. I mean, it, there's there's not. fun there's fun stuff you can do where it's like, I'm going to enter the ultimate like street fighting like there's yeah. cool things you, you can, can do. get arrested and go to jail and yep. shit i know that's yep. that to me is what interested me it's like okay i get it this is kind of a game dev tycoon numbers management you know up your stats min max game but thematically if they give you enough choice then that can override the mundane nature of the core gameplay loop and it sounds to me like they didn't for you it too. doesn't do that right it doesn't. Well, there's a ton of it, choice it tries, the problem is the doesn't. choice is all based off of the core mechanic of you must constantly be doing these things and and in order to experience the choice you have to constantly be grinding right so it's yeah. like oh my god yeah also, if they didn't have that decline of stats i think it would have been an infinitely better game the problem is i think it would have been like a minimum two-hour game yeah we're like, being too yeah. easy yeah I the also... fighting in that game also sucks yeah i heard that it's Sorry. very like you just kind of Pick you a sit thing there and you watch. Yeah. You watch. You watch. Okay, that's and they can go for a while as well. Like if you if you're high enough level, they can take a couple of minutes. You're just sitting there, yeah, doing absolutely nothing. And the mechanics of how each ability works and how you can counter your opponent isn't explained at all. So I had no real sense of how to counter someone with high agility, for example, when I was a high strength user. I didn't hmm. really understand that. They didn't tell me how to deal with someone that was higher level in certain things than I well, was. I don't. I don't think that. Here's the crazy thing. I don't think there is a counter system. I it's it, there's a stat based like if you're if you're an agility character, which I was, which I was doing kicks and dodges, and I go up against a guy who is a strength character, it's all like is his strength number higher than my agility number? And if that's the case, then chances are I'm gonna lose. Right. But that's okay. all it boiled down to, really. I think. But it, I've see, but from... it doesn't explain itself. That's my problem. Oh, yeah. I agree. Dodger? I've heard Sorry, from like multiple people that a strength build is also like impossible. Like going for an agility build, you are way more successful in a game where you already don't feel a whole lot of success. So then like if you're doing a strength build, it's just like the worst slog in the world. You're just you hmm. just walking into a wall. Let's I did strength, a strength build. <laughs> yeah, strength strength requires that you also go uh stamina, I think is what it is. Uh yep. It like requires you also go stamina, so it's like you need to not only build up your strength because your strength when you swing, you're using so much stamina. So eventually, if your strength build, guys can just knock you down because you've run out of energy. Right. And so right. it's yeah, there's so much. I like that there's all this stuff in the game. They have to think about and consider when you make your builds. The problem is that in order to do that, in order to like follow this dream of like yeah, I'm gonna do this and this and this and this and get this up, it requires a lot of just like. All right, today I'm going to go to this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to eat my meat, I'm going to go here, I'm going to do this and this. All right, I've got uh, two days to go to the thing. So you like have to just keep grinding and planning. Like, got to get in the gym at 6 a.m. and just get this stuff out, got to do this. The problem is the grind isn't yeah. rewarding, right? Like, like in Diablo, the, the grind is rewarding because you get loot and loot's fun. In that game, you get nothing, you get stats. Great, more stats. 
more yeah. numbers. I got, I got an extra point. It doesn't feel rewarding to do the grind, and the grind is pretty much all the game is. Right. And, and, and the, the thing that I think is interesting, the game even says this. Be sure to explore. Look around. Go to every place because you never know what you're going to find. There could be cool little events and scenes that take place. But if you're doing that, you're wasting either time or money that yep. could be spent training or going to work. So yep. you're like, oh, yeah, well, I'd love to go explore all these little events and things. But if you do that, you, you miss out on training, which means your stats drop, <laughs> which is just yep. like, oh, no. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's just some the fundamental design flaws in there, I think. And it's just too repetitive. And the com the, if the combat had some kind of interactivity, I think it would be a lot more engaging. Right. But because it doesn't and you just sit there for two minutes, I don't know. This definitely it sounds like the exact same problem that Game Dev Tycoon had. It's like, yeah, I am yeah. in on the theme basis, but in yes, reality, agreed. this really is just a game about getting the right number of bubbles or the right boxes. I yep. actually uh, picked a punch club on iOS because I thought, you know, oh. by the sounds of it, yeah, it just came out this week, I think. Uh, by the sounds of it, this is the sort of game that I would get something out of if I played it in very short bursts. Mm -hmm. So I, it would be a better for a mobile device. So I've got it that's now for I, iOS, and I'll let people know how it think, is there. That's yeah, that's I a good idea. The next game I played this week. Um, I played Tharsis. Tharsis, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Jesse played, uh, played that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that should be a mobile game. I would love to play that in bed at night. Just for like 10, 15 minutes at night in bed on an iPad wonderful experience on pc eh not really i don't want to sit down at pc rolling dice most of the time yep, i, I just don't it's it's not that satisfying there is a reason why i play stuff like elder sign on ios because it's good for a quick session but i wouldn't spend hours playing elder sign because it is a, essentially cthulhu yahtzee for all intents and yep. purposes yeah so yeah that was basically my consensus on it and it's 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 a little too pricey for what you get as well i thought i think that's the biggest problem with the game is that the price point is is much higher than what the game actually is. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I know you talked about it last week, so I won't go on about that. Uh, finally, I was playing Warframe a lot. Thanks ah, to TV. yes. Well, <laughs> welcome to the grind. Infecting people, TV. I am. Yeah, I, I'm very much I promised people. my subscribers I wouldn't talk about this for too long. <laughs> yeah, no, basically, I was bored on the weekend and needed something to do. So I was going to play Diablo and thought, nah, I'll play Warframe instead. Sounds interesting. And... 36 hours later, I've pretty much done nothing else. So <laughs> yep. that's kind it, of taken over my life somewhat. It uh, it has been known to do that. It's done that to a, a good number of us. You know, we're, we're And after those few weeks, we're still into it. We're playing a little less. I mean, we went hard on that yeah, game. That's what I'm doing. And we, we're playing a little bit less of it now, but we're still playing it almost like every night. We have a regular, hey, uh, wanna, you want to go run some towers? And like, we'll just go run a tower. Hey, you want to run a tier four derelict or whatever? Like, yep. Uh, we, what is what is sorry? Ahead, what is it that's making you not want to play it as much now as you did in the first couple of weeks? I I, I think like the, the definitely the new car smell has worn off a little bit. Um, I think mm -hmm. that because because we played I played it two years ago and it's got a lot more content than it used to have. But yeah. in reality, you know, once you've figured out what all that content is, you know basically what the core gameplay loop is and what you're going to be expected to do. So right. as a result, I don't think you go quite as hard on it. But we're still playing every night. You know, for at least yeah. an hour or two, we'll just yep. we'll run some dungeons. You know, it, it's it, it's become a WoW substitute for me in many ways. But the thing is, like, unlike WoW, I actually enjoy the core combat loop. I feel exactly the same. I haven't felt this into a game since I played World of Warcraft. I re and that, that's a, that, other than Diablo, maybe when Reaper of Souls came out, I lost two weeks of my life to that. I literally took two weeks off work and just played that game straight. 
other than that, though, I've not really had that sort of drive to get up every morning and check whatever that loot thing is you get in Warframe. And see oh, the, bonus the daily login bonus, yeah. And to check on my forge and all the things and then, and then upgrading my mods after every mission and all that stuff. That Just having so many different things to do yes. at any given moment. I haven't had that feeling in a game for a very long time. And the, the last game I can really think of that made me feel that way was World of Warcraft back yeah. in the day. Warframe is a so. game that succeeds on the basis of drowning you in options. Like, it has so many frames, so many weapons. And as a result, like, you, you set yourself a little kind of micro goal of, oh, I just got a part for this weapon. You look the weapon up, it's like, that seems cool. That's a jet-powered fucking wrench that you shoot at people. Or yep. that's a giant laser. I should probably think about building that. And then you you set that up as you know it's it doesn't it's that's not a quest. I mean the game does have quests, but not very many of them. But you set yourself that goal. Say like, I'm going to acquire yeah. this. So now I'm going to look at where I need to go in order to farm these parts and all that kind of thing. And a lot of the game is that. I mean, it, if you boil the game down to its core, it is a game about acquiring everything in the game. Yeah, which is the same as Diablo. Exactly, so. exactly. Once you pass the story, anyway, you know. It, However, that, Diablo it. doesn't require a wiki to play it. Fucking true. <laughs> Warframe does. Warframe yep. requires a Wikipedia, and, and the worst thing about Warframe is how little it explains about fucking everything in it's that game. It's terrible, man. I had it's, no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And I had to go look up a bunch of tutorials on YouTube. I found some guy, I can't remember his name, but if you just search for Warframe 2.0, um, guide. He did this massive like 40 video part series on like what you should do as a new player, what you should upgrade, where you should yep. go, how mods work, everything. And I just watched that in bed one night because I just had no idea what the hell to do. Their new all. player experience is terrible. They, yeah, they they deny information from people constantly for no good reason and they don't explain what the really important core parts of the game are. Like upgrading mods is key to your ability to do anything in that game and yep. they don't tell you how to do it. So you've got relegated. a bunch of new players that get frustrated because they have no power. I'm like, God damn it, I can't hit for shit. This is, game is pay to win. It's like, no, the chances are you just didn't merge your damage mods together because every time you merge it, you're basically, you know, at least when you merge rank one to two, you're doubling its power right there. And it literally yeah, requires only two copies of the mod to do it. I eventually found the mod tutorial in the codex in the top right-hand corner of the screen. There's a tab, and then and it it's has a bunch of text. In it. It's just yeah. text tutorials. Yeah, I, I mean, I, when I I eventually have said I'm going to do a, an updated video on this, and one of my key complaints is going to be, look, your new player experience is terrible. Here's how to redesign it. And what I would do is part of the opening quests. One of the first things I would have you do once you've done the first quest is have you merge two mods together as part of the quest. It's like, yeah. you know, ha have them explain, you know, your Warframe uh, is uh, recently, uh, you know, D it's out of, basically, you know, it's, it's rusty, you know? You need to upgrade your damage to be able to deal with modern threats. You know, there are two, co you know, we can merge these mods together to increase their power. Here, do this, and have the mod be a kind of core damage mod. Because then, once you do that, you go into a mission and someone's instantly going to notice how much, how much better they're doing. And, yeah. they, and in that, you have taught them the value of upgrading yeah. mods and the the game does a really bad job at teaching you the value of everything literally yeah, everything it, it, it never ever everything. communicates that i think it's a big problem with free-to-play products overall though because i'd when say you to some degree yes when you make a free-to-play game like not many free-to-play games first of all are simple in any way league of legends is not simple dota is not simple this is not simple most of them are quite complex even csgo has so many nuances in it that you can't learn just by like fucking about in the game you have to go read things and learn things from other people all of all of those types of games those multiplayer experiences as they evolve as a service i feel that the developers kind of 
screw themselves by adding more and more and more features on top of one another and then they have to retroactively go back and then redo all the tutorial content to make it make sense for new players. Yeah, and they've got to keep adding that stuff because otherwise people won't stay. You know, player retention yeah. is a big deal. So Warframe, when you first go into it, is just insanely like you you're drowned in the amount of stuff you can do it's like what's this what's this du, 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 you know the through the I entire didn't even thing. know there were multiple ship types i just yeah, found there it are. in the menu at one point did you like, know oh, those ships also have ships? a special ability that you can use in the middle of the game probably not you know no i didn't know that no actually. each ship has a different ability they're not just cosmetic i had no idea because the game never fucking told me you know it's there's so so many yeah. problems with that uh, you know, and not to mention that just not knowing where drops are is a fucking pain in the ass. Uh, Jen decided to play the game and actually stopped playing it a couple of days ago. And she, her comment on it was, right, I get a drop for a piece of a weapon. And I'm like, this weapon looks cool. Yeah. I should go and farm the rest of it. Except I have no idea where to go. And then you'll get a drop and you'll realize, oh, the next part is on Neptune, a planet that I haven't unlocked yet that's going to take me ages to get to. And it's like, the the... The game needs... Someone gave me a Breton, Breton Prime or something, and I, I'm, it says I need all these parts, and I'm like, I don't know where to go. So then yeah, I have to go to the yeah, wiki. Yeah, exactly. It's, you it's... do. You do. It's... It, it just... I think that uh, as a new player, it needs to take you through the process and have a, maybe some sort of effective, but maybe not the best in slot items kind of drop regularly from lower level planets like uh Janu uh, january is not a planet what the fuck uh, <laughs> Hi, yep, go mercury on. and yep, venus go on. mercury uh -huh. and venus uh, and just have um hey okay so we're gonna have a high drop rate on the blueprints for these kind of basic weapons that are not too wacky and crazy but effective and then people are gonna learn oh, okay so this is how it works i get these blueprints yeah. i then farm these materials and then i build the parts and then i put them together and it the feels... game doesn't explain that at all it feels almost as impenetrable as EVE Online to some degree. Like I wouldn't when I go played that far, but oh, <laughs> EVE, the, EVE these days has improved quite a lot in terms of its new player experience, like in the last three years or so. But for me, it World, World of Warcraft was also kind of the same for me when I first started playing. Like I didn't know what the hell was going on or what to do, and slowly I learned that through people in the game, mostly by asking questions in chat. But I think it's just a problem with these types of games in general. Games that have this much depth, it, it's impossible in a way to tutorialize so much stuff like that without being boring. Like yeah. if, you, if, you, if you make this huge tutorial that goes on for like five, six, seven hours teaching you every single aspect of the game, people are going to stop playing it anyway. So yeah, it's, a it's a difficult balance to strike there, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you dive into some of the more popular free-to-play games on iOS that have been going on for a long time, you will run right into that same problem because they've been piling new system on after new system after new system on top of each other because they needed it to uh, keep players interested and keep retention. And then a new player's like, what the fuck is all this shit? Like, yep. yeah. I mean, it's, it's why they gate a lot of that content behind levels and stuff like that. You know, that's a very um, Band-Aid kind of plaster solution to it. You gate though all that new stuff behind levels so that people aren't overwhelmed initially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah or like the way that some MMOs have been doing it is where, uh, yeah, they make you like do a quest way down the line, and that quest is what'll tell you like, oh, here's this thing that you can do now that you're a yeah. way higher level, and you're like, oh, I yeah. didn't even know this existed. Exactly. Right? Warframe does a little bit of that. Like, uh, it does a quest for the Arcwing, for instance for instance, which is the uh, kind of space flight bit of the game. It does a quest for getting Kubrows, which is the sort of giant space dog that you can get that will fight for you, etc. But there's just not anywhere near enough of that. You know, there really isn't, you know, teaching you the basics and teaching you 
what basically the core gameplay loop of that game is. You know, um, I, I ran into a, a nightmare mode mission completely by accident. The game didn't explain at all what I was getting myself into. It just, it just popped up. I, the game doesn't even do a good job of telling you which missions you've done and which ones you haven't done. There's a tiny difference visually between quests, uh, between a sec they're called sectors, which is usually just a mission um, with a particular... Um, with a particular tile set and stuff like that. There's a tiny visual difference between ones you have done and ones you haven't done. There's a little kind of um, sort of fuzzy blur on the ones that you haven't done. I can barely see it. Like, it's just, they... God, they just need... They need to go back and do a full pass and say, which... What, is there anything in this game that people could not figure out on their own without having to resort to a wiki? The answer is yes, like half the fucking game. <laughs> Redo it so that they can. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. So, but, Basically. I mean, if you are able to get past that, I think, you know, Warframe for me is my Dynasty Warriors. It's my, we, three of us jump in the game and we just murder thousands of space people. Yeah, it's and relaxing. We, I love it. It is. That. It actually I, is. I love Diablo for that, too. It's, you can just turn your brain off and just kill some stuff and yeah. then get some loot. Really satisfying then... combat. You know, I've got a grenade launcher that hurls, hurls people 300 feet in the air and crits for 75,000 damage. You know, it, it, it is exactly the same feel of Diablo. I get that that visceral satisfying feeling of blowing shit up and at the high yeah. levels it's actually quite challenging i actually really enjoy playing a support frame in that game because being a healer in that game is actually super satisfying because you're very powerful so mm. yeah, I, yeah. I, I still dig warframe but you know when i do eventually do my critique of it a lot of it is going to be about you are terrible at explaining things you you need jesse to and dodger have you played it no warframe no i haven't touched it oh okay you should. It's good. <laughs> we, we, we keep we keep trying to uh, bring people in on our little group. Like we play Rainbow Six, we play Vermintide, and we play Warframe, and we Warframe, keep trying. Warframe was the one where uh, Sam was able to make himself like neon pink, right? Yes. Yeah. See? He made excels. Uh, a lot of that game is uh, fashion frame. Like, I like the idea. Yeah, of being able lot, to sit there and be like, "How do I have the worst outfit possible?" Yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's really all I've been playing this week. I've tried to play a little bit of Rainbow Six Siege. I've been playing that on and off for ages, though. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's fantastic. It was like the best shooter of last year, in my opinion. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it from me. Cool. Well, that's an ideal time to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking a little bit more about the games that we have been playing this week. But I'd like to, of course, give you a word from our sponsors. Crunchyroll.com slash TotalBiscuit is the place to go to get yourself a free trial for Unlimited Anime, which is honestly the best kind wow. of anime. Well, you no, be, erased. Yeah, I, I mean, oh, you. Yes, you could do that thing. I, it's probably weird. You know, she. She's. It's just, great. It's so strange. good. She's strange. Come back here and tell us how great it was next week. After the break, more about the games we've been playing this week. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. Dodger, you do realize you're supposed to do that in the bathroom, right? Not in your chair. Did you not notice that Jesse was making that face too? No, I never look at him. Oh, the goof lost. Yeah, lost, lost on the on best you. of us. Lost on you. Yeah. For the record, I wasn't making that face. I don't believe you. <laughs> I have no reason to believe you. Just so everybody knows. Indeed. 
All right, so let's go back to the games that we have been playing. Uh, who wants to go next? Okay, oh, look. I'll, I, I guess I'll, I'll do quick. it then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can piggyback on the conversation about Life is Strange and all that, and, like, that whole feeling of, like, looking at the end of a game and being like, man, nothing that I did really mattered. So... I finished Aviary Attorney. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil anybody. All I'm going to say is that that game, I think, is great. Uh, if you really love the Ace Attorney games, I think that it's just such a great goof off of that game that, like... You know how I was saying that Hot's a Full Boyfriend was one of those games where when you first start playing it, you're like, this is a really dumb, weird game. And by the yeah. end, you're like, they, like, got super real. So Aviary Attorney also gets super real right uh there are multiple endings and when i got the end i looked back like quite a ways and thought to myself i know where i went wrong with this like i know what went wrong but i don't know how to fix it and that was okay. such a, an interesting feeling when playing that game going i feel like i need to start from the very beginning because the game does let you pick up from like a specific chapter if you'd like um but i yeah, I immediately had this feeling of, like, I need to start over. Like, I messed up from the beginning. Like, I need to do all of this over again. And that was such a cool feeling. Like, I thought that that game was really, really good. Uh, and I'm excited to try and and get um, a different ending. I'm not going to say a bad or good ending. I'm just going to say a different ending. <laughs> I should play it. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Ace Attorney games. It's one of the yeah. few sort of visual novel-esque games that I genuinely enjoy. So this sounds like... I mean, I watched you play a little bit on stream. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. this is uh, this looks like my jam. I love the art style. It blows my mind. It's Me absolutely too. Beautiful. Yeah, I have no great. idea what this is. What is it called? Oh, so it's called Aviary Attorney. It's a game where the whole art style is like old uh, newspaper print style. Um, every character in it is an animal. Or more specifically a human body with an animal head more often than not. Uh -huh. uh, and you are the people who work at Aviary Attorney. You're two dudes who are trying to two basically... Two specifically. Two birds, two birds, <laughs> who are trying to defend uh, different people. And, and like as you play the game, you realize that everything is very much connected. Um, but yeah, the, when you first start playing the game, you're like, oh, this is like... Ace Attorney, you go to the crime scene, you see if you can find anything different, you talk to people, you find things out, um, yeah. and then you go into a court scenario where you have whatever evidence you were able to find, and you have to try and defend the person. The really cool thing, I think, about Aviary Attorney, beyond what I've already said, is that uh, it's not like Ace Attorney in that... When you play Ace Attorney, you can sometimes get stuck for hours being like, okay, the court case hasn't started yet, so obviously I'm missing a piece of evidence, right? In Aviary Attorney, you can go to court with, like, very little evidence if you screwed up, if you went to the wrong places, if you talked to the wrong people. You could wind up going to court and being like, I don't know how to defend you. Like, I don't have the things that I needed or I didn't talk to the right people. And I you thought that that was really cool, too. You can lose continue the game, right? Yep. Yeah, because that's not something that Ace Attorney really let you do. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, the art style is amazing. It's super cool. It's, yeah, it's really, beautiful. really cool, and it does get very real. So just so everybody knows, yeah, I will get but... around to playing it hopefully this week. It does sound like it's my thing. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Play I played 
a little bit of the new Diablo season. It sounds like Jesse has played a bunch of it. Um, I've only played a smidge, but that smidge made me go, God, I want to play more Diablo so bad. So whenever I get a free minute, I'm definitely going to sit down and play more Diablo. Uh, I joined in. I don't know why I did this. I joined in on Sam's whole hard, Sam and Sips's whole like hardcore thing oh, where they're God. like, we'll start the new season. We'll make hardcore characters. It's going to be great. And I hit level what was it? Level 14 and died. And I was like, damn it. But it made me go, I want, I need to start over. I, I nope. again, I got to do this nope. again. Don't but do it. hardcore I, in yeah. a million it's ways. It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun though, right? Because you're like a fucked up, got to start over. No, um, that's not fun at all. That's I wasting played, my time. Why would I want to do that? It's I not played fun a wizard on for the first time. Either. I can't oh, imagine I it would be. True. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, Gmart did die first. I think everybody should know that. But, um, yeah, I think that it's fun. I hadn't played Diablo in a hot minute, and I got to be a wizard, and I got to laser beam people, and that was great. Jesse, you've been so. playing a bunch of that as well, right? Yeah, man. Uh... I play every new season. I think that uh, it's shocking to say, but it gets better and better and better every new season, every time they release big patches. And uh, yeah, if you haven't played it since the initial launch, the game's vastly different now. And I would say give it another shot. If you still have it lying around, throw that sucker back in and start playing because there's really a fun. lot of fun stuff in that game now. And um, Adventure mode is so great. Uh, yeah, adventure mode's great. It sends you on little mini quests, and you just port around to different places and do crazy things and kill things. Uh, the 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 things they've added into the game are go every they span from totally badass to completely silly, which is just wonderful. Um, like the other day, for the very first time ever, I was thrilled this happened because everyone always talked about it. I finally got to Greed's domain, which is basically just you kill a treasure goblin, a portal opens. You know how they usually try to go through the portals. This one you go through, and now you're in a world of gold and like goblins, and you just yeah, and you murder them fight, all. You gotta fight the treasure goblin king. Yeah, you fight greed, and in the end, he gets smashed into a chest. And if you want, you can just keep clicking the chest and keep smashing it on his body. It's <laughs> super bloody but amazing. There's yeah, and it's just so much fucking loot. It's a great moment that reminds me of when you first found the um, Whimsy Shire. Or back in Diablo 2, the cow level. Like, just really crazy things that happen. Mm. Um, they, the different weapons you can find now, they've gotten rid of seasonal items. And there's, like, quest stuff. So if you complete all of the storyline, story really, it's just, like, do these things during the season. If you do all those things, you get items. But now, like, all the seasonal stuff's in there. So I've, I, I, the other day, a guy got the... Uh, the voodoo idol thing that is basically just a pet cat. Like, <gasps> it's just, it's a cat on a string, and the cat's just, like, clawing, like, just, like, pawing at stuff, but it's like a cat, he holds the cat on a string. It's amazing. There's so Let's much cool grab, stuff in there. Uh, is it just gold for you now, or is it gold and items? Pets. For what? Pets. Oh, pets, uh, grab, pets grab gold. Uh, that's what I but, yeah, but the thing that I think is nice is that the game uses its brain more, so... If I pick up, like, a, I don't know, like a random item to help make something, it'll pick up every single one of those items around and suck them all up. So it's like, oh, my God, I don't have to go run around and collect all that shit. Yeah, there's a ton of little tweaks and things that make the game 
infinitely better. And I think something that people forget is even though Diablo 2 was phenomenal, the expansion to Diablo 2 made it a great game. Yes, and, I agree. And yep, that's 100%. And, and I, I feel like the expansion to Diablo 3 made Diablo 3, which was kind of like meh, into something that's really fun. And yeah, it's one of those things where I go back, I play through the new season, and then, all right, well, that was fun. See you next season. And I, I'm glad that that exists. So I don't have to be like, oh my God, I'm slogging through. But with that said, the new season started Friday. And last night I played with the guy who had 360 some extra bonus points, which means since Jesus. Friday, because they start you, they start you out at level one with no, like you can't use any of your previous bonuses and your previous characters like skill ups or anything. So it's like you're making mm -hmm. a new character and you're playing through. The guy was 362. I was like, shut, shut up. You played too much, my man. <laughs> I don't even know how he did that, but he helped me kill a lot of shit. So thank you random stranger because i blew through a few <laughs> levels with you yeah i think it's so satisfying to play there's just something about it it has it 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 taps into the same feeling that i have when i play dynasty warriors where i'm just like oh my god i'm just killing everything and then i grab so much money <laughs> like it's just really satisfying yeah there's there's and i think the changes and the upgrades they made to the um various like not boss fights but you know like the random super high level guys who just like who have all the extra stats like the yellow and the blue guys the various rares the way they change those to make them super challenging is really really interesting because you'll just be murdering a bunch of guys and suddenly you're like in a fight for your life and it really changes the way you play and you have to use your abilities more and you can't just sit there and like spam on a guy because it doesn't he'll start dropping shit on you and it's there's a lot to it now so i can't even hate i think it's great I will say that I totally hated original Diablo three, but this is yes. it was awful. Yeah, <laughs> this is, it's, it it's a lot of fun now. Yeah. I'll give Blizzard that. I went back and when Reaper Souls came out, I played the whole thing through from start to finish, and oh, I had a good no. time. I just did not have the desire to do it anymore. So, I, and I don't think this season thing would either. It's like make a new character. Like no. Well, the way, well the way it works to me is you're not doing the story. You don't have to do the story. What you can yeah. do is the adventure mode, which is each. Every time you log, like every time you join a new game, each area in the game now has five specific adventures to unlock. Yeah, I know. And yeah, so you go to each one, and like different shit happens. So it's different every time, and like you're experiencing something new every time. And whatever you're fighting is different, and the place you're going is different. I think I think that's that's like a way to make that game much more like, all right, back to Caldium, I guess. Like you know, you're doing something different every time. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I really uh, really like Reaper Souls. It was a big improvement, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I couldn't even finish the the first one in vanilla because it's just like, I hate this. <laughs> I, just, I just did not like it at all, and Reaper of Souls did a good job of very much changing that around and just improving the game a great deal. So, give them credit for that. Not to mention the fact they are continuing to update the game, even though they don't have a direct financial incentive to do so. So, you yeah. know, you got to give them credit for that. They could yeah, very easily be ch charging for that. They removed that revenue source from the store that they used to have as well, which yeah, is a gone. huge thing. Yeah, but that's they do a huge have, deal though, for a company to do that, though. What they do have, though, is the infrastructure of Blizzard. So they consistently can be like, if you play like last season, if you play season four, you can get a mount for Heroes of the Storm if you hit level seventy. They do a lot of that. I mean, oh, it, it's, it's the same thing that Valve did with fucking TF2 hats for every fucking game. So, like, oh, Deus Ex is out. Here's a hat for TF2. You know, and all that kind of thing. It yeah, works. And that's 
It got me back. I was like, oh my god, I get a mount, and it's this badass like undead death mount. I'm in. I want that. So yeah, it's fun. But it's you know it's Diablo. So if Diablo was never your thing, you don't you aren't you're still not gonna give a shit. No, it doesn't seem like you will. Um, Darkest Dungeon has its full release it's out now. Out today, yeah. It actually yeah. just just came out. Um, you played a bit recently, didn't you? I was yeah. I was literally gonna say I've I've played it a few times recently. They have a bunch more. Uh, they have a bunch more classes now. There's like the the Hound Master and things like that, which have been. It's been fun figuring out the differences between more classes because I remember uh, every time I would play, there were there were classes like um, Leper and then the Knight or the Crusader. Yeah. Uh, and one more. What was the other one that's just like super tanky? There are three that were always so similar to me. And I had a, a lot of trouble like figuring out, okay, like you're good at this. You're good at this. This is where I need to put you. And now that there are even more classes, you have to think even more about it. The one addition that I know caused a lot of controversy that was interesting to finally experience for myself was corpses, corpse yes. pile up. Yeah. Um, I actually don't have a problem with it. I know a lot of people had a big problem with it. The idea of it for any of you who haven't seen it yet is um, so in Darkest Dungeon, you like you are 2D walking through different dungeon areas and you'll run into monsters or you know whatever the villain is at the time you get to line up your people wherever they are going to do the most damage or be the most useful and then the the villains the monsters are also in a specific order so what happens in darkest dungeon now is wherever you kill somebody they don't just vanish and then everybody moves up what yeah. happens now is they turn into a corpse that's now like this thing that's sort of in your way. Yeah, and you can yeah. get rid of it, but it takes time to do it. So it, 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 it does affect like the strategy of how you fight because the arrangement sure. of your characters is vitally important because some characters like, oh, this attack only hits the back two roads, etc., etc., you know? Yeah, and so there are... And yeah, sometimes there are guys who are way in the back who do a really good ranged attack, but if you can manage to get them to the front with either a pull attack or just by killing everybody in front of them, they they're useless because they just, all they can do is be like, nah, and they mostly often miss. Uh, and so strategies like that suddenly take a bit more reworking because you're thinking, okay, not only do I have to kill these guys and then they won't be able to attack me, but I also have to get rid of their corpses and maybe for whatever reason, you know, the dudes in front can only hit the first two dudes and can't reach anybody in the back. Maybe I don't have anybody because I messed up. I don't have anybody who can reach the back row. So I really need to get through all of those people in the front and get rid of their corpses. And it takes yeah. a bit. Um, yeah, yeah that's I, I don't hate the idea of it. I don't hate the idea of the corpses. I, I think that especially early on, that game had some serious exploitation issues. Like the whole stalling for heals thing was a big problem initially. Mm -hmm. But I also they made a lot of this optional. Like corpses, you don't have to have them on if you don't like the mechanic. You can turn them off. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. You know, not enough games do that. It's like, hey, it's a single player game. Who gives a fuck? You know, if, yeah. if someone wants to turn this optional piece of difficulty off, let them do it. It's a single player game. Who cares? They're only cheating themselves, really. Yeah, you know? exactly. So I, I absolutely do not care about that at all. Can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. Do we is is there an ending to this game now? Uh, you can get to the manor for sure. But I mean, like, uh, I, I assume always assumed that's was, the end of the game. Yeah, I, I, my assumption was that, like it was an endless because that was my thing. I was like, it's fun, but 
I imagine it's endless, but people are saying there's an ending. I believe so. I just don't know. You know, when I first played it, there you know, oh, there was only three of the like six or so dungeons available. It was the early access version. That's no longer the case, and it, it does seem like it's got that. There's also a new game plus apparently, and there's an end boss. So yeah, there is an ending, and there's a new game plus. So. God. This right, is what good. I was waiting for, you know, because I, I, you yeah. know, I will happily go out of my way to say that when I, Darkest Dungeon is one of the very few early access games that I went out of my way to both play and stream because it is that fucking good, you know. Yeah, I was, great. I was not willing to wait, and that that says a lot because usually I'm willing to wait and I don't play early access. But Darkest Dungeon was an exception. But since then, I played about twelve hours of the game, I think, and then I didn't touch it again because I'm like, look. I want to save the rest of this when it's done because yeah. that, that's going to be the best experience for me. So, I mean, I'm probably diving back in today, honestly. I think that, that's going to be uh, today's game. It's going to be that. Yeah, I'll probably check that out as well. Because <laughs> I, I yeah. played it in the so first good. week after release, like in early access, and then didn't touch it yeah. since then. It, so. it, even then, it was so polished. I mean, not, not, only, was, was... not only did it look great, it sounded great. It yeah. really had some interesting systems. Yeah, the game could be a dick. There's no doubt. You know, it's a dick in the way that XCOM's a dick. You know, you can minimize yeah. the dickery, but you'll still get dicked over from time to time. That's just, you got to accept that if you're going to play it. And also, I mean, honestly, the characters are very much disposable in darkest dungeon they always have been in fact that was actually a bit of a complaint that some people had that characters were just disposable resources to be used to kill people in dungeons that you you had no investment in keeping a character alive for a long time i don't know if that's Unless, the case now i mean i i don't think that that's true i think that some people for whatever reason use a tactic of like okay i'm just going to get a bunch of level ones and throw them into the dungeon and hope. Like, if you have no money left and you have a bunch of dudes who just well, need to, to de-stress, yeah. like, yeah, then you have to just, like, grab a bunch of level ones and throw them out there and be like, please come back with something. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but I, I think that once you get somebody to level three, I think it is, suddenly it's like, oh, I need to keep you alive. Like, you are very important to me now because... You know, then they reach this point where it's like they can't even go in the lower dungeons because they're like, don't waste yeah. my time. Yeah. I'm going to kill some people for you. And I'm like, you are. I love you. Uh, the the thing that I struggle with the most is when somebody has just so many ne negative attributes that have stacked up. And now I don't know if it was this way before. Um, but once they've had a certain personality quirk for a long time, it gets locked in. Or it can become severe. Mm -hmm. uh, no, actually, you can lock in positive quirks if you're like, I don't want them to lose this okay. because they can replace each other sometimes. So if you're like, I don't want this one to get replaced by something else, like it's really good. Um, but what can happen with negative quirks is they can get severe and then they cost like a lot more money to get rid of in time. Right. Um, which sucks. So if it's if it's something... Sometimes you luck out and they're like, ah, oh, this one got severe. And you're like, ah, it's fine. It just makes it so that you really don't like skeletons. Like, it's just, yeah. I can deal with that, right? Um, I think some people I, just don't want to, like, let some of the characters go. It's like, this mm -hmm. guy is clearly too fucked up. Just get rid of him. It's, he's done. You Especially know? when you're streaming. When you've, when you've named all of the people yeah. after your subscribers. Yeah. And you're like, I'm so, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I don't, I'm so sorry. You're. You're ruining this for me. <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta go. We're gonna take you out the back of the woodshed, old yellow. That's it. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking, really looking forward to diving back into that. That will be what I'm doing probably in the next couple <laughs> of days. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably look at it in the video, I think. It, 
probably, I mean, why not? You know, I've already played it. I already know I love it. You know, I'm just, I'm interested to see whether or not those mechanics are deal breakers for me. Yeah. Because I was not, you know, I didn't play when those were around. So I don't know if I'm going to like them or not. Maybe I, I will. Maybe I won't. I felt, I felt like coming back to it, um, I was able to logic it a bit better. Like I'm much, it's much easier for me. It doesn't feel like it's an easier game, but it's easier for me to figure out like, okay, this is what I need to do in order to keep this person alive right. and like figure out strategies better. And that might be that they've cleaned something up that I can't quite recognize, but there's something that makes it a bit easier for me to understand the different classes and how to utilize them. And mm -hmm. it's really fun. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the last, the last thing that I jumped into is Secrets of Grindea with Sam. We played that together. That is, is that super Grindea fun. Is that Grindea or Grindia? Because I always called it Grindia, and that's probably I not right. I mean, it's supposed to be a goof on grinding, so it's right. probably Grindia or something like okay. that. But it's got um, co-op, right? Which is very unusual it for is. an RPG like that. It, does, it has up to four-player co-op. You do not have to be on a couch. Um, so that game is super fun. Uh, they've figured out a system to make it so that grinding monsters, if you have a brain like mine, grinding monsters is actually really, really satisfying because there are cards. So, like, if you've been fighting the exact same type of monster for a really long time, you'll eventually, there's, like, a anywhere from a 0.1 to a 0.3% chance of a card drop. And that card gives you a permanent passive boost of some sort. Um, that has to do with whatever creature it was. So it'll just, in general, make you just a little bit stronger or help you out in some way. Uh, so it's, man, I have been feeling so satisfied killing things in that game because there's a really low percent chance that you'll get a buff, like a constant passive buff. Also, uh, there's a low percent chance that they'll drop items, and the items are always very specific to whatever creature it is. So uh, Sam and I were in like the snow area and we found these little like trickster rogues or something like that. They're like these little monsters that throw snowballs at you. And we fought them forever. And by the time we were done, we had the card. We had a trickster hat. We had a trickster jacket, a trickster boots, like the whole set associated with them. And I try not to think about the fact that obviously they're implying that you have taken the time to skin these things and turn them into hats and things. I'm not going to think about it. It's fine. They just, they just dropped that stuff on their way while they were fleeing the scene. That's how I like to think of it. Yes, that's how it went. Absolutely. Yeah, that's totally. That's You're totally not a murderess. No, I'm not a murderer whatsoever. Um, but they, yeah, they've made it so that grinding which is like such a necessary part of this game is very very fun and all of the characters i mean even just by the name it it has sort of the same feel as uh Reketeer, where you play it and all of the characters know what's going on right they're yeah. like all right i guess we better go grind right or like right. let's go get some I items like yeah you know they're they're very aware they make fun of the genre quite a bit but in a way that makes you really want to play it and really really enjoy it so um you get to create your own little character and design it and that was super fun so yeah if you have been looking for an rpg to play uh i think that this one is super fun we <laughs> had a lot of fun with it the time cool. flew mm -hmm. good good uh so i played a game this week 
Yes. It's like one of the only ones I actually talk about, which is uh, Homeworld Deserts of Carrick. Okay. Which is the new Homeworld game. I'm making sure that I spelled Carrick correctly. So, it's a bit weird. Because this game started out as kind of a spiritual successor to Homeworld, but on the ground. Because Homeworld is a space game. Space strategy. Right. Homeworld Deserts of Carrick is in a desert on the ground with big vehicles with wheels, you know. So it's a little strange. It initially started off as a project by some of the ex-Homeworld devs called Hardware Shipbreakers because they didn't have the Homeworld license. And then when Gearbox acquired the license, they got the license. So there's like, okay, it's a Homeworld game now. And for the most part, it's pretty good. But there were some, as people can see in my video that I put out today, there are some big problems that that game has. The AI is brain dead. Really? That's kind of, that's kind of a big problem. Uh, yes. I mean, <laughs> it is if you're going to play a lot of skirmish. Like, the thing is, you can, in when you play real-time strategy games, you play the campaign, you can kind of get away with having dumb AI through scripting what's going to happen, you know? Because the campaigns are going to have uh, triggered events and all that kind of thing. And yes, they're going to be designed to be unfair, most likely. And you're entirely okay with that. But as soon as you go into skirmish mode, you cease to be okay with that. Because the fucking AI cheats, at least on hard mode anyway. On normal mode, the AI is way stupid. So the first time I played Skirmish, I went on normal mode initially, and I built five of these little light attack buggies, which is like the first unit you can get in the game. And I went to one of their resource points, and I sat on it. For 10 minutes, the AI keeps building new harvesters and sending them to that resource point and getting them gunned down over and over <laughs> and over again. And it never, ever realizes what's happening. So I wrecked this guy. And I was like, I didn't even try. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to turn this up to hard mode. So in hard mode, in the first two minutes, I get attacked by 15 tanks. I'm like, you, you could not have physically built 15 tanks in this time. What? So I realized, hang on a minute. They boosted the resource gain, which is a, an old dirty trick that RTS creators use to make the AI appear more difficult than it really is. So okay. it was able to mine more resources than I could in that, in that time period. Thankfully, I was able to repel That's that. So messed up. Well, no. I mean, quite a few RTS do it, but uh, recently, obviously, RTS have been trying to get away from that because that's awful and you know not fun to play against. But yeah. in and uh, even then, though, I, I repelled those attacks and I got my army up, and then I killed the enemy carrier with three railguns, which are tiny little units. All I did was I got on a hill and I started hitting the carrier, and I just killed him. And it didn't do anything. It didn't respond. It didn't send any. It didn't send like an aircraft to go and blow my guys up. It didn't send a bomber. It didn't send little buggies to blow, blow my rugs up. It just, it didn't do anything. It, it let me kill it. And this happened over and over again. Even on the video, people can clearly see when I go and attack the enemy carrier, it's barely responding to what I'm doing. And I only sent like six units at it. You know, I didn't even send a big army. So here's the problem with the game. If the multiplayer scene doesn't take off, you're left basically with only the campaign. Because right. the skirmish AI sucks. And the campaign is good, and it's very story-driven, just like all the Homeworld games, got some great cutscenes and all that kind of thing. But again, dumb AI, which is kind of partially covered by the way the campaign works. And also, I, I made the point in my video that it's a glor almost a glorified tutorial. I, I maybe shouldn't have said that because I think it that's a little excessively harsh. But here's the thing, it holds your hand way too much. That's why I said it was a glorified tutorial. It's not that the game doesn't have good missions and good story. It has both of those things. Yeah. But it keeps holding your hand. You know, even like I'm almost at the end. I know this, because in the campaign's about twelve hours long. I played about ten. I'm obviously almost near the end. And it's still telling me, Alright, 
we've got to defend this area. You know what would be good? We should play some turrets and some mines. And all it's like, dude, I've been playing this game for 10 hours. I know. I know. <laughs> Stop. Uh, yeah. Stop telling me this shit. Let me come up with my own strategy. Don't tell me what the optimal strategy is right off the bat. And it always is, too. You know, those, those levels are like, any level that says, um, oh, you should use mines and turrets has huge choke points and fucking is ideal for turrets, you know? So right. it's like, it's telling me how to play the game. Isn't and I'm that like, kind of the point of an RTS is to figure that stuff out exactly. and strategize? Exactly. And it keeps doing that. And it also does a really bad job of... Um, this is to kind of more of a nitpick, but RTS, obviously, every time you go through a level, you usually like gain a new unit to play with, right? That's how most RTS campaigns work. And the best ones like give you a good narrative justification for why you can now build this thing that you couldn't build before. This game doesn't even try. Like It's like, oh, we should now build some battle cruisers. How did we learn how to do that? Why couldn't I have done that 10 missions ago where a battle cruiser would have been really good? You know, and I understand the balance reasons for it, but narratively, it's piss poor in that regard. And the thing is, Homeworld is, in my opinion, a very story-driven RTS. And the story of Homeworld is great. And this one is pretty good, too. I wouldn't say it's as good as the previous ones, but it's pretty good. So when you have those moments, it takes you right out of the narrative. Just like, but I'm in the middle of the desert. How did I suddenly learn how to build an assault cruiser? You know, did I find <laughs> the, the, the annoying thing is this game has a great contrivance for it that they don't use because you're in the middle of the desert and uh, it's you're basically ship breaking. You find these wrecks of starships and you blow them up with charges and you break them down into parts and you acquire these artifacts and these artifacts actually buff up your units, which is really cool. And the, a lot of the levels also have optional artifacts, so you can miss some of them. You know, you've got to fully explore the map, find all the artifacts, go out of your way to do side objectives in order to get that stuff. And that's really great. But despite having this contrivance, they literally just allow you to build new units out of thin air for no, for no, you know, they don't justify it narratively. It's not like, oh, we discovered some technology on this ship and, you know, I think we can adapt it to create a new kind of unit. That's what they should right. have done, but they don't. They're just like, you can build battle cruisers now. How? <laughs> How did I learn this? <laughs> did this game get much like marketing and hype? No, nope, not at all. It, 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 it snuck out. It squeaked out. They put out like yeah. one trailer about a week ago and a bit of multiplayer footage. Barely anyone knew this game was even coming out, which is weird. And I mean, maybe it's down to that. I, I really feel like the game needed a couple more months of development. I think, maybe it got uh, pushed out early. Yeah. I think it did. It's, it's only yeah. got five multiplayer maps and only two well, of them are suited for 1v1. That's way that's, too low. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, it doesn't have a map editor. It doesn't even have rebindable hotkeys, which for a strategy game is a <laughs> really? fucking awful thing. Yeah, does it, like, use a grid, does it use a grid system? Or? Mostly, yeah, which which yeah. I like, but that's my I personal preference. You know, yeah, I want to rebind. I want to change keys around. Yeah. And, you know, and if you ever played StarCraft, you know that StarCraft is like, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Like, you yeah. want to bind keys to three different things all at once. You want to do Control-Shift-Alt-F6-10 to select a harvester. Cool, mm -hmm. do it. And we'll let you save multiple configurations and we'll save them to the cloud. So, you know, if you're in a different place, you get the same key configurations. And we've got a bunch of really good ones right off the bat. And we'll... Uh, this game has none of that. <laughs> none of it. And it feels like undercooked as well. And it's a shame because actually I like it. I like it. It What's really cool in this game that a lot of RTS don't do is it really plays with line of sight. So one of the basic units you get is a tank that can throw out a smoke grenade. And the smoke grenade blocks line of sight on both sides. So let's say you're getting shelled by artillery and railguns like, fuck, oh shit, um, smoke. And you throw the smoke out 
And of course, they can't shoot through the smoke. So it forces them to re-maneuver. And you can That's control cool the battlefield. Like, it's so good. I mean, it's not the only game to do it, but a lot of uh, RTS use smoke as like a debuff. Like you throw the smoke down, they're like, now you have 20% less accuracy. This game is like, no, this blocks line of sight. You can't shoot through this. And being able to do that on the battlefield is so fun. Uh, so I love that. And there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in this game. It's just like, they're charging full price. And it just doesn't feel finished, you know? So the skirmish mode is bad. The skirmish mode's bad, yeah. The campaign's 10 hours, 11 hours? 10, 11 hours, hours I'd say, yeah. And the multiplayer community will die because it's full price. Yeah, that that's my theory. Like it, Good okay. summation. It's, that's good the problem. Summation. That's yeah. the problem. It's so... It's literally killing multiplayer. Yeah. yeah RTS, man. RTS. Someone needs to do something about it. They really do. Because I love it. And active Aggression dying. fell down the same, same hole. Oh, yeah, they, you know? I know. Yep. The thing yeah. about Active Aggression is they focused on the multiplayer. They launched with 17 maps, I think, and people still complained that wasn't enough. Wow. <laughs> it's like, and this game has five. You know? it, And it comes down yeah. to, look, how... Honestly, how exactly are they going to keep the multiplayer community going? Because if multiplayer dies, it's going to be very hard to sell this game for full price. Because the campaign is good, but I don't think it's good enough to justify full price. Yeah. There's a quandary. I mean, go buy StarCraft. Seriously. Well, well, yeah. I mean, StarCraft's campaign is is best but, on I mean, market and still has great multiplayer. And hell, you can play half the game for free anyway by just downloading the starter edition. Yeah. Now, can, I, need... <clears throat> can I ask a question just so that we can speculate a little? You can. So, obviously right now we're in uh, the wave of TF2 team-based battle games right yes apparently that's the thing right now that's yeah. that's the new wave of what's gonna happen watch out for it everybody yeah uh and for a while now i feel like people have said it's almost time for rts it's almost time for rts to have their wave and i don't i feel like it's not gonna be for a while specifically because not that long ago people were super into starcraft like well yeah. all right first off i feel like that's a that is a that's a crazy fallacy. I felt the same way. I was like, man, people are all about StarCraft. But when you think about it, in my, like looking back, people were crazy about StarCraft ten years ago. Like, like it hit. It just hit me like, holy shit! Like the 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 high level of StarCraft oh crazy. God, I think you're was right. Ten years ago. <laughs> no, I totally had the no. exact same thought the other day. I was like, holy shit, time flew because you completely forget. Like, I remember playing. StarCraft Brood War in 1999. Like, yeah. I, I, or, uh, yeah. We all played it, it when I was in high school. That was a long time was ago. When we were 17 <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Over yeah. half your lifespan. Like, it's mind-boggling. And it just hit me like, oh, my God. And, yeah, I had the exact same thought. Like, maybe, you know, like, maybe eventually we'll get back to the RTS. But, like, RTS's heyday, like, just happened. Nope, That's how I feel. I literally feel like ago. RTS was just the thing, but it it wasn't. Nope. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Not at I all. I think I think the problem with RTS in comparison to like MOBAs and and these new shooters that are coming, although they are charging for those, which is weird, um, is that you need a community, you need a multiplayer scene, and yeah. in order to get that, having a six dollar price point in front of it just is a huge barrier to entry, which is why League of Legends and Dota and stuff do well. 
because anyone can try that stuff. So yeah. if someone were to come up with a free-to-play model to work with RTS, then I think it's it could hard. be successful. It's but very it is difficult. really hard to do. Yeah, because it really doesn't work. You can't have units locked behind paywalls, you know, because it just unbalances the game completely in that regard because yeah. RTS is designed mostly around 1v1. There were games that tried it. So End of Nations, which ended up being canned, and eventually was kind of repurposed into Battle Battalions, which incidentally I am the voice actor in for the commander, by the way, if you want to play that. I, I'm not going to endorse that game, but I, I am the guy that tells you that point A is under attack. Um, I, I really just did it because it was fun. Can you do the voice you use? Um, l let me see if I can bring the script up. Point Hang on a second. Uh, <laughs> is that your TB that's my impression? TB, no, that's my TB doing the voice impression. L okay. Let me bring up the uh, the script. Uh, it, the script actually was not that long at all. Or did you just use your own voice? You were like, I did. Point A is under attack. Well, I mean, I I I, I, I exaggerated a little bit because that's that's kind of what he asked me to do. But the, the really, really the only reason that I fucking did this is because Frank Lepaki, who is my favorite video game uh, composer of all time, asked me directly to do it and i'm like yes i will i will fanboy for you totally. yes good enough reason for me yeah i mean it's all really basic stuff like it's ally progress paused ally progress resumed spy sat secured comlink locked secured i like how you end everything secured yeah there's very much that <laughs> objective c neutralized objective c captured volcano now eruption imminent in a southern <laughs> accent. Generators back online. Generators back online. Yeah, there's a lot of that. It was like, your sound card works perfectly. Love yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, Perfect. back to the point. So the the issue with um, End of Nations, uh, the way that they did it was like, okay, the way that we can do this is to have it be team-based. Because then having and everyone not having access to all the units when you can only bring in like basically three or four types of units is fine when you have four players because then in between that you should be able to get everything in there you know kind of taking the sort of the mobile approach to it but in our in 1v1 you absolutely cannot do that end of nations i actually thought was good i enjoyed end of nations i, I think it was a good game it's a real shame it got scrapped and there are a couple of companies at day nine in particular with atlas project atlas yeah. is working on this very same idea of uh, a sort of free-to-play, easy-to-access game where you don't build all the units at once. Here's a problem with... The kit, the core problem with RTS right now. We were all bad at it 10, yeah. 15 years ago. Korea ruined everything. So back then, we thought we could play an RTS game and have fun. And we did. We played Command & Conquer with our no. friends. We played <laughs> Age of Empires with we our friends. We never had fun. Well, I did. I mean, I you might not have. I never had fun. I never had fun. <laughs> Age of Empires, Empire Earth, Command and Conquer, Total Annihilation, Dark Reign, all those sorts of games. And we're like, yeah, we love real-time strategy. Then multiplayer came around in a big way with ladders and everything like that. And then what we realized, and this came into sharp focus with StarCraft 2, is we were shit. And in order for us to be able to compete, we are going to have to play this game at a way higher level than we thought was even possible. You know, So the reason why people can't get into StarCraft is because... It's too intimidating. What you have to actually learn to be competitive enough at StarCraft to have fun in the eyes of most people is a lot of work. It, yep. it, honestly, it was the same with Dota. Like, I, when I played the original Dota, I only played with the same kind of 15 to 20 people. And we played on the same team speak, and everything was fine. And we were terrible. 
We had no idea. You, the first Dota 2 video I ever made, which got me mocked by the Dota 2 Reddit when I picked Axe and I built a Battle Fury, was because I played five years of Dota with my friends and that's all I ever did and it worked. I didn't <laughs> understand the game at all, but none of us did. And so we had fun all, by all being shit. The problem yeah. is now that with matchmaking... And, the, you know, the metagame being so obvious and the competitive scene in the ladder being so upfront, you can't be shit anymore. You're not allowed to suck anymore. Yeah. Especially with the amount of streamers and things like that. Because you see someone playing StarCraft at a super high level and you say, I must play like that. In reality, that's not true. You could be down in Bronze League and still have a good time. But back then... We, di we just didn't know. We were ignorant of this. And I think actually it's that that's killed RTS, outside of obviously the popularity of consoles, because PC is now in a really good state. Like, it's a pl as a platform, it's getting really, really good. You know, a lot of momentum here. But I think that everyone now knows that playing an RTS to a super high level is really hard, and they're not willing to commit now. That's it's, it. It's, the time investment is massive, it's man. It's huge. I, I, I spent huge. like two years playing StarCraft every night after work, and... I think I got up to plat. Yeah, eventually. I'm. I played for six years and I'm still only platinum, which is yeah. slightly above shit tier average. Yeah, like I know. Six and, years. And I hit a point where I realized that the amount of time I was going to have to invest to be actually good at this game was more than I had, and so I just stopped playing it. Yeah, you know, and I think that happens to you know, and I had a lot of free time at that time as well, and I still didn't have enough time to do yeah. to do that. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's what puts people off. It does, you know? it does. And also now, if you go into StarCraft now and you try and play multiplayer, you'll just get wrecked if you've got no experience. Yeah. Even in I, Bronze League, people are using like metagame strategies and yeah, stuff. Yeah, smurfing definitely doesn't help and things like that. Oh, like, yeah. I, I hate too. people that smurf. They need to go to fucking hell in regard to that. But they, the nice thing is that Blizzard realized that and it's like, okay, we'll make some other modes then. The, the mode that me and Jesse got paid to play by Blizzard was a, a co op mode against the AI with. Um, and you don't get the full unit complement. You get, uh, you pick a commander, and that commander has a theme, and that commander has units. So they yeah. made that mode for people like that. It's like I want the RTS experience, but I don't want the stress of it. So they did that, and then they made Archon mode, where two people could play on the same base. So again, you reduce the stress that way. And they're also reworking the ladder to to make it more, you know, to make bronze more like real bronze, you know, so that yeah. the people you're playing are as bad as you are, you know, and they're they're um, stratifying it more. That's, their plan is to stratify the ladder way, way more than they currently do. Not just leagues, kind of uh, the way that League of Legends does it, where you've got like silver one, silver two, etc., etc. They're, they're looking to do things like that. Um, so I think I think RTS will have something of a research. It's not like StarCraft is unpopular. StarCraft has over a million concurrent players a month. But like, it's still popular. But there's not. We can like, we're able to recognize when there's a wave of a game genre. Yes. Yeah. And there is not. There, is there not hasn't an RTS been a wave, wave of well, RTS. How did, I mean, it was how a did long people... time ago. It was a long time ago, yeah. They, I mean, back in, I think it was early 2000s or like late 90s, it was RTS was the, the genre de force. Yeah, I was trying to think of like exactly what year it was that all of my exactly friends started remember. actively playing RTS. And I mean, I it, think was it was around like 2001, 2002, I'm pretty uh, sure. Uh, yeah, I think it was... Um, I think it was actually more like late nineties because um, I yeah, remember at the, at the it video really game kicked... awards. They had that thing that was like the the Westwood Westwood tribute. versus Blizzard thing, and yeah. it literally yeah. showed the Westwood versus Blizzard, which is what it was that Cold War kind of deal that yeah. caused this surgence of of 
you know, this. Yeah, it was RTS mostly genre. the late nineties. Like uh, basically, uh, to me, the time when everyone was making RTS was the Dark Reign, Total Annihilation, Command and Conquer era, which was late nineties, and then everyone was making RTS, like clones of clones of clones. It became the FPS. Like people were sick of it. They were totally yeah. sick of it because everyone yeah. was making the same fucking game. Um, but and that's why StarCraft trend was. I mean, that's Sorry. why StarCraft impressed so many people was because instead of the this guy versus this guy fat, it was you get to play three factions. Three, oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah. yeah. And it was very story driven, which only really Red Alert had done before. And Red Alert did it in a very cheese ball kind of way. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the next phase, the next trend was MMOs after that, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. I think and he, now it's and then it's MOBA and now it's going to be these sort of kinda, MOBA shooter things. Yeah, and, team team oh, class so based excited. team I'm shooters. So excited for this wave. This is my I like wave, it. guys. I like it. Yeah, this uh, is my wave. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in on that. You know, it's. I, I I've been waiting for something more like TF2 for a while that kind of took a little bit of element from Dota. I haven't Great. played Overwatch and I want to. <laughs> well, uh, it's supposed to be coming back this month, but we don't. We haven't heard uh, hide no hair of it, so we will see. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that game. People like Total Annihilation was story driven. God, the story in Total Annihilation was fucking terrible. <laughs> it's like kidding me. Total Annihilation was literally we're just murdering entire planets. Like, that's the whole story, <laughs> right there. But yeah, it's um, it's interesting. It it definitely. I I I would really just love to see Command and Conquer come back in a real way because I think like it needs something like that to with the cheeseball storyline and the big campaign. And the, the fun units, you know, this is a mammoth tank. Isn't this fucking awesome? Said my 10-year-old self. My 31-year-old self still says it's fucking awesome. I want a mammoth tank. I want a tank with two barrels. I want a tank with four barrels. You know, I. but we know that's never going to fucking happen again, which is infuriating. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, so there's that. Anything, anyone else been playing anything else this week before we go to the break? I'm not going to talk about my shitty mobile game. I promise. Don't worry. <laughs> Not no. really. They raised the level cap on it. I was playing. I was planning to play a few more games so I could talk about them, but then Warframe took over my life. So. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we did play a bit more Vermintide last night. I will say, I finally got a blue staff that doesn't suck. I'm so happy. I've been working on that for ages. I play exclusively Bright Wizard in that game, and I've had terrible drops. Bear in mind that I, I played probably about 20, 25 hours of Vermintide, and Mathis came in who had basically never played. And then uh, in a first run, got a blue bow that spawns poison clouds whenever he fucking fires it, which chokes out large groups of rats. I'm like, fuck you! This is not acceptable. I keep getting the shitty green staff over and over and over again. But I finally got a staff which is like uh, has a 13% chance to fire two bolts at once and uh, does 20% less damage to me when I vent the heat. And it does a, it has a good secondary. So we were playing it with Cry, Mathis, and Russ Money, I think, as our group. And we had a lot of, we had a lot of fun. And then was like, we're great. We should try nightmare mode. <laughs> and then the game was like, bend yeah. over. We're going in dry. I'm like, oh god. Oh, we just got murdered with like five minutes. Like, fuck me. No. Okay. All right. We accept that. Oh, there is one more game I will talk about before the break because people have asked me about it and I've been hyped about it for, for months and it's terrible. Star Trek Timelines. It uh -huh. sucks. <laughs> I don't know what I expected, honestly. Like, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a Star Trek mobile game by the guys that made that Game of Thrones Ascension game. And it had some cool ideas. The whole con the whole idea of it was, hey, yeah, you can collect all these Star Trek characters from different timelines. So there's multiple versions of the same guy. Like there's old Spock from like one universe, and then there's young Spock, and there's uh, there's resurrected Spock. There's like 
um, coffee-deprived Janeway, you know, and stuff like that. Or, oh, that's what you were talking about. Yeah, that. Janeway is Queen of, Queen Arachnia from the holodeck and shit like that. And I was like, that sounds great. Then I played it. <laughs> oh, God. It, it's boring. So the game consists of two main elements. Uh, one of them is ship combat, which literally consists of watching a ship fight and, and occasionally hitting a buff ability until one of them falls over, and the other part are the missions. Now, I will give them credit on this. They are thematically quite consistent with the Star Trek universe. Star Trek has had a big problem for a long time in that video games don't play well into what Star Trek is about, which is not fighting for the most part. Most of it right. is about talking your way out of things. So most mm. games don't support that very well. This game, you can complete a lot of missions through diplomacy. The problem is... The way the mission system works is it gives you a mission which has branching paths and four objectives to complete. And those objectives are literally, do you have a bigger number than what this objective requires? And it's like, do you have over 40 diplomacy? If yes, click. <laughs> like, and then you beat it in that regard. And they're all the same. So, you know, beating it by fighting is basically <coughs> the same as beating it by convincing them or beating it by engineering some wacky thing, blah, blah, blah. It's dull as dishwater. It, That's so sad. Oh God, I'm I'm bored to death out of it. You know, and I'm talking. I am the person. I am the idiot that spent hundreds of dollars on Star Wars: Galaxy of Heroes. I am the pay-to-win son of a bitch <laughs> that is literally setting the high-end meta game on my server with my evil seven-star droid team of pay-to-win doom. You're and, a I, and I play that game every day. And it's still fun because the basis of that game, even though it's horrible pay-to-win grindy bullshit, is a, a five versus five Final Fantasy style battle RPG in the Star Wars universe with different abilities. And you know what? That on its own is pretty good. This is boring as fuck. Like, there is not a single element of this game that is in any way interesting other than acquiring characters. And I'm not willing to do that. I'm not willing to just... I'm not enough of a Star Trek fucking idiot, he says, with 45 Star Trek statuettes on his wall mm -hmm. that I, I just made a new shelf because I have too many ships. Like, I've got so many of these things. I am still not enough of a fucking whale to buy into that. It sucks. It's boring. It's dull as hell. And I'm so disappointed. <laughs> That's too bad. I'm so I'm just gonna go back to Star Trek Online. At least that has decent core gameplay. This does not. Oh fuck. So fuck mobile. Because yep, mobile is what makes this happen. This game yep. would never exist on PC unless it was a Facebook game. Oh, and there is a Star Trek Facebook game, and it's just as bad as this. So Perfect. Fuck it. Fuck it. Don't play mobile games. Yeah, don't play mobile games. They're all bad. Pretty much every one of them, unless it's that, unless it's Astor, Astor's Adventure or whatever, which is the uh, skiing llama chasing game, which is fucking amazing. If you can amazing. pay for it, if you can pay for it straight up, then it's usually good. Up. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the rule. If it's free to play, it's probably awful. <laughs> <laughs> if you can pay for it, it might be good. Um, is it Astor's Adventure? Please tell. Um, I have to look up llama skiing iOS. Yeah, okay. Alto's Adventure. It finds it immediately. Yeah, I've seen that. It looks interesting. It. I, was, I was looking at a top 10 games list for iOS, and that was on it, and it, it was the only thing that piqued my interest. Is it good? Yes. Love it. Um, yeah, it I'll check it out. It's basically, uh, I'll try and show you trailer on screen. It's a really simple game, uh, kind of along the lines of Tiny Wings. Did you play that? Uh, no, I did not. Tiny Wings is fucking awesome. 
Like it okay. is it is a perfect example of one touch gameplay. It is so satisfying and so much fun to play. It is literally a game about you are a bird, but you're too fat. So you can't really fly too much. So you kind of got to slide and get up your momentum, and then you can kind of flap. And it's got this adorable soundtrack, and you, you basically race the sun, and at the end of the sun, you go to sleep. And you just okay. keep doing that, and it brings you new challenges. It's awesome. Tiny Wings is so good. I think there's so much potential in mobile for actually good gameplay experiences. Just small little games, you know, that maybe could have existed... 10 20 years ago um yeah i mean but, if you look at monument valley like the whole yeah. basis of that game is literally just a sliding puzzle but it's a really yeah. good sliding puzzle you know and the basis of alto's adventure is it's a runner basically you are skiing down a mountain chasing your llamas that have escaped and you can jump obstacles and you can do tricks if you do tricks you gain an immunity shield which lets you bust through an obstacle you try and catch the llamas, but in trying to catch the llamas, you also put yourself at risk of running into an obstacle and falling over. And when you fall over, you lose. But you get this progression. And the, the better you do, a kind of um, journey style, the longer your scarf gets. And it's got an awesome little art style. And it's so satisfying to land a trick. It's a really simple trick system. But, you know, it's like uh, you can grind on um, bunting for some reason. And okay. you just grind on the bunting. And it's It's fun. And it's fun, yeah. and you get multipliers, multipliers, and it's it's good for little one or two minute sessions. It's skill based, yeah. but it's not overly complicated. But you're still like, I've got to play again because I fucked up. And then you get upgrades, which will help you. Uh, like uh, the llamas will come to you now, or you get to like uh, ignore one rock or whatever. So there's a bit of progression in it. Yeah, Alto's Adventure is fucking awesome, and that's like a two dollar iOS game. It's beautiful yeah, and I've really well put together. That. Just it's poetry in motion. It's simplicity at its best. So, yeah, if you can pay for an iOS game, it probably doesn't suck. If you can't, it's probably awful. Yep. <laughs> Sadly. Sadly true. All right, let's take a break, and then when we come back, we'll uh, deal with the news of the week and the releases. You're watching the Corruptional Podcast. Do not go anywhere. We will be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. Welcome back. Uh, we're going straight into the news. The news. What news is there? <laughs> Not much, really. Not a lot of what we didn't cover last week. I mean, we already covered the fucking Let's Play bullshit from Sony. There's not really been much since then. Uh, We can talk a little bit about Hitman, though. Oh, the episodic Hitman? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I think you you know quite a bit about this, if I recall correctly, don't you? Uh, I, I know a decent amount. So Hitman, they announced, is going to be episodic. Um, It's going to be coming out with... Two missions, one of which is the prologue of the game. So it will come with prologue and Paris. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have to just wait for the next episode of Hitman. Great. I just, I just find it so insulting that they're like, no, it's okay. You get two missions. One of them's the prologue. But it's, te- I mean, it's still a mission. So we're, gi- we're giving you stuff to do. And it's like, no. You've been yanking our chains about this fucking Hitman game for how long now? And now you're like, no, we decided it's episodic. And I just feel on my news show, I was talking about how I feel like there's somebody who's in charge over there that was like, episodic games do really well. So why don't we just, I mean, we've been having problems getting this out on time and getting all of the stuff in there. So why don't we just call it an episodic release? And I'm like, no. I don't think that you can do that with a game like Hitman and have it be successful. Yeah, because one, no shit. Like, the reason that 
that people will continue to play a game that is episodic is because it's story based and you care what's going to happen story in the story. Driven. Yeah. Hitman is not. That's not going to happen in Hitman. Not. That's not going to happen. No, I mean, this yeah. is literally just, here's less. Here is less yeah. content. Like, mm-hmm. no, I don't want to play Hitman in bits. Like, it's a hardcore game. I want to sit down and play it from start to finish. And you're not letting me do that unless I wait like a fucking year, basically. Mm-hmm. And, makes no sense. And this game has been in development for years now. Like, they don't have an excuse. I mean, what the fuck happened along this development point? At some point? It's like, you've obviously got a lot developed. So what the hell are you doing? It's clearly a publisher decision. Clearly mm-hmm. a publisher decision. Who's their publisher I mean, again? Square Enix. What? <laughs> you knew what? exactly who it was. <laughs> of course, Sorry, well, of course I did. Those sons of bitches. Yeah. Um, keep, keep yanking yeah. your heart. Publishers and developers, man. I, I feel sorry for developers a lot of times because people don't people don't like recognize there's a difference between the two, and a lot of people on the internet, especially, will go after developers when they don't like certain things, when it's really the publisher. Like, the developer is just a bunch of artists, mostly, just trying to make a cool thing, and the publisher comes in and goes, well, our statistics say that we should, like, make this game episodic, so now we're going to make it episodic. And they're like, but we didn't want to do that. Like, it's not going to work like that. And they don't listen, so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's some... There's some kind of a PR force over there that was like, all right, we've had trouble getting this game out. We still need to, like, push it back again. And somebody was like, wait... Instead of pushing it back, we'll just tell them it's episodic. Yep, and recoup. Some and of everyone the was like, "Ooh, yeah, yeah ooh." Yep. Well, no. Uh, ooh. That's literally all it is, and it's probably because the game's been delayed multiple times. And it's costing them more money than they wanted it to, and so they're just like, "Well, if we put out a bit now, we can recoup some of the costs and keep shareholders happy." It's you know, it's just business, sadly, yeah. but. See, here's the problem that I have, and I, this just hit me, like, just now. Yes. I can get episodic if you have a story-based game, which mm-hmm. is why, originally, I wasn't too, like, I think it's stupid that Final Fantasy VII would be episodic, but it's story-based, so I, I get an RPG. It's also worth noting, it's three giant fucking episodes. Like, it's not, we're releasing two missions. Like, there's gonna be a lot of content right. on that disc. Yeah. But, with that said, my, I just realized... An RPG is like you're leveling. So, like, if you reach the end of episode one, do they cap your level? Or are you allowed to keep leveling? Is there stuff to do? Does it just end? Like, I feel like there's a million, like, that seems like a problem to me that I don't know that I ever thought about until, like, just this second that. Like, in a game like Hitman, at least you know that you have objectives. Like, I need to kill that guy. All right, he's dead. All right, great. Like, this is... In an RPG, it's like, all right, well, you've done episode one of the RPG. What now? Like, yeah. leveling, that's a huge problem. Especially taking an well, older game and doing that. Like, not a game that right? already has an established story, not something new. If you can create a new IP, then you could work in, like, you know, cliffhangers and stuff between the episodes, but... With Final Fantasy, it's not, I, I think they're gonna have a hard time doing that. I think yeah, you're right. What do you on that. do with the leveling? Like that does I don't know. I don't, unless they change it to be a story-driven. Like there's really no levels, which is insanity. So I don't. Well, know. I don't. I don't understand why, because you hear about people all the time playing games like 
the early Final Fantasies just being like, yeah, I just stuck around in the starting zone until I reached well, that, level no, that's 999. That's how I play, which means that yeah. and, and, and I'm one of those guys who, even in Witcher, like did everything there was to do in the starting zone before I moved on. So it's one of those things where it's like, I will do everything and I'll be super overleveled because every once in a while when you were a kid, you had that moment playing RPGs. I know I did where you hit a boss and it was like, I should have I should have leveled up for this, but now I'm stuck behind a save point and I can't I yeah, just start yeah. over. It happened to people all the time, me especially. And so I just learned in an RPG, you overlevel, which you is fine. Yeah. But the what happens is if it's episodic and I've overleveled, that next episode will be not like I'll blow through that shit. Cause right. what I'll do is I'll keep playing and playing and playing and playing episode but, one and be so over like they'd have to cap it going like imagine being level nine going into disc disc two of final fantasy seven you would it would ruin the experience of like oh this is chat there'd be no challenge you crush it but they have said that because they're splitting it up into three they're adding a lot more to like each zone and area I mean that's fine. That's it's new stuff to experience, so, but because it's episodic, you you just you would destroy destroy that game. Or they did level you, in which case that ruins the whole point of what you did. <laughs> like I don't I don't think it's a good answer. I'd love to see what they come up with. I know I won't be happy with it. Whatever it is, I know I'll be like that's stupid. When but, I play a story driven experience, I kind of just want to sit down and do the thing, the whole thing, and just get it done, and then move on to another game. I don't want to come back six months later when you release episode two. You know, I mean, that's it's just honestly me the reason why I I've almost never got to the end of a Telltale game because I just I lose interest by that point. I don't give a fuck, you know. Especially because I mean, Telltale realize. are really slow with their releases. Yeah, sometimes I don't like the Minecraft story game. I played the first episode and I was like, oh, that was actually really fun. I'll have to play that as it continues to come out. And somebody the other day was like, why didn't you keep playing Minecraft? And I was like, oh, did, did the, the rest come out? Did other people? Play, yeah, I didn't even know yeah. that other parts came out, and apparently, like the whole thing is done already. I, I don't know. Honest, like, I think like there's a de de developer, of pub there's a a degree of publisher arrogance in releasing episodic games. It's like you expect me to give a fuck about your game five times. Yep. I barely gave a fuck yep. about it once. You realize yep. there are other games, right? <laughs> like I've moved on. Like I'm not yeah. waiting two months for the next part of your fucking two-hour QTE experience. I've got another game to play now. It's supremely Ooh. arrogant to think that I care. Some people will, yeah. But totally. Some people won't. You know, I'm not the kind of person to stick around. Yeah. I, I don't wait for stuff to get updated. I just move on to new games. You know, which is why I tend to avoid early access in my free time. Because if I play it in a broken state, I'm probably not going back. You know, I, I like, can I, ruin your experience in my eyes. I avoid early yeah. access for the same reason. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I don't like the decision. I'm pretty sure everyone would like to have the full game. I yes. don't think anyone would be in favor of this. So it's it's clearly just a business decision, it's, and it doesn't help any. Like, because uh, I'm the I'm the sort of person that will go to bat for different business models. Like uh, a few years ago, Sony made a very odd decision, and they allowed you for a couple of games. I think it was one of the Uncharted games, and also for um, Starhawk, for you to buy either the single player or the multiplayer or both, and uh, both was just regular price. So if you did not give a fuck about the campaign, you could literally just buy the multiplayer. And yeah. I thought that was great. And also, uh, Capcom has done this with some iOS games. So um, for Ghost Trick, and also for Phoenix Wright on iOS, you get the first two chapters free. You can then buy it as you go, or buy the whole thing at once. 
So if you get sick of the game halfway through, you've only paid for half of it. I think that's yeah. consumer friendly. The problem is, all of these were based on <clears> games <throat> that are already done. This game is not. This is not consumer friendly at all. You know, this is not a case of, oh, I can buy it in parts. It's like, no, I have to. You're forcing me to, and I've got to wait for the next bit. You know, I just want to buy the whole game right off the bat. And if I want to do that, I've got to wait a year, basically, to do that. From By which point, I'm not going to care. Yeah, yeah. From a publisher perspective, I'm not sure that's as financially viable, though, because if you if you sell someone a $60 experience and they don't finish it, which most people don't, um, then you made your 60 of bucks. Course. But yeah, totally. if you sell them little pieces and they get sick of it halfway through, then you make less money overall. Exactly. So. Yeah. The counter argument to that, of course, is that, you know, the people, there are some people that will not buy a game at all because $60 is too high an entry barrier. Yeah, that's true. And if you remove that, that is possible. But I don't have the numbers to prove that either way, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, they do. Like, all of these publishers just constantly refer to numbers over and over and over again. And that's why they make these decisions because they think it's going to be, you know, in their best interests, I guess. Yeah. I guess we'll see. With Hitman, I'm I'm kind of disappointed about it because I'm I very disappointed. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hitman's great. Yeah. Th- this business model a- a- aids nobody but the publisher. Like this is it's not a consumer friendly business model. It's disappointing. It's actually likely, and I hope it backfires. I want to see it blow up in their face, because I mean this been... is the same publisher that says six million copies sold of Tomb Raider wasn't enough. You know? Yeah, they they're making some strange business decisions. Like the the Deus Ex Human. Not human revolution. What's the new one called? Sorry. Mankind divided. That pre-order bullshit that they thankfully yeah, that pre-order thing, and then putting on. Tomb Raider, a game that was previously on multiple platforms, on one platform, yeah. and then like having a timed exclusive. Like, I don't really understand why they're doing this. And then it Final Fantasy VII off. being episodic. Yeah, I know. They it's think money they can make more, uh, and but like they and didn't of... make more on Tomb Raider. No, they didn't. It sold terribly. Yeah, uh, it, it, they might, they're going to make it back maybe when it comes out on PC this month. Maybe, yeah, you know? Maybe. And then they might realize, oh, fuck, that was dumb, wasn't it? I mean, obviously, they got some money from Microsoft to do it, but was yeah, the money yeah. enough to justify it? Because I think what a lot of these companies don't realize is that games, they pass their relevance very fast, you know? And if, you're, yeah. if you delay a game's launch, people are going to care less about it because the current, the internet and social media allows for a, a zeitgeist to form very quickly around a particular product. And the hype yep. be like, oh, fuck, I'm going to get into this because all my friends are into it. I'm seeing it all over social media. There's the risk of spoilers. You know, I might get spoiled if I wait. I've got to get it now. I've got to get it fucking in now. Everyone else is. And I mean, everyone else is. They can't be wrong. I'm going to get in here. I'm being left behind. Oh, my God, I'm being left behind. Fuck. You know, that's what happens. And- I feel that. I feel that pull a lot when I'm playing games. Like before I was doing this YouTube stuff. Like, whenever there was a big game that was coming out, I wanted to be a part of that experience when the game launches and everyone's making content about it. You can go to YouTube and watch Mm -hmm. videos. You can watch Mm -hmm. it on Twitch. You read about it every day on Reddit. You know, that experience, it's not just playing the game. It's like the whole media coverage surrounding it and the hype surrounding it. It's a fun thing to engage in. But that doesn't last long, you know? And this episodic format, I really don't think fits into that at all. No, I don't think it fits it whatsoever. You know, I'm okay with developers trying new things. You know, I... I, I absolutely agree with developers releasing games, you know, kind of in parts, um, if the game is already done. You know, it, let me buy, you know, I would buy Call of Duty without the single player campaign for like a 10 or $20 discount every time. Easy. Because I don't play single player. I know I don't. The thing is, as you said, you yeah. know, they know that, you know, and yeah. they think they can make more money by bundling something in that you won't use and charging yep. 60 than they would from taking it away and, ma- and making it 40. And so can. I get that. 
yeah, and most of the time they can. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, obviously they do because they keep doing it. You know, I mean, they've got the numbers. They wouldn't really do that. But it's for Hitman in particular. I because if I get into Hitman, and then I suddenly it's like, oh, I'm done now. I was like, fuck, I wanted more, you know? Yeah. But by the time the next part comes out, I'm probably not going to give a fuck because I've moved on to something else, you know? Yep. Yeah, Same. absolutely. It's it's stupid. It's unbelievably stupid. I don't Which agree with probably, it whatsoever. It would probably discourage me from buying it in the first place just for that reason, you know? Yeah, I mean, the only reason I'm going to get it is because I have to to tell people whether or not it's any good. Exactly, yeah. But I mean, I, 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 I've never bought a Telltale game until it's finished, aside from Game of Thrones. Yeah, you got to wait. I regretted doing that because I got two, three episodes in and never touched it again. Realize you didn't like no. it. Yeah. Yeah. I, sorry. I've been trying to look for, and I cannot find anything on this and it's driving me crazy, what the fall off is for episodic games. Like, how yeah, many people I've stick with it the entire time? The retention rate? I'd love yeah. that information. I've never seen it. anywhere. Yeah, they weren't publishing either. Reviews. No, they Plenty won't tell reviews. you because they pr it probably uh, says how stupid the business model is. Well, <laughs> so they probably won't tell you. Yeah, one of the things I looked at uh, that I just got done reading was about Telltale and Walking Dead. And the way they describe it is, uh, the first thing they say is that episode one of Walking Dead sold one million copies in, in 21 days or something wacky like that. And then they're like, and then it, the next sentence is, by episode three, it had sold eight point. Five million episodes. I mean, you can can't you track that by achievements so I, in theory? I, maybe. maybe. I just don't, yeah, I just don't know what that means. Like hmm. by episode three. Let's see what we can look at here. Does that um, mean episode one sold a bunch and then people met on played more? And then it's like by the end of the whole first season of Walking Dead, one through five plus four hundred days, it was like twenty one million episode plays. But what is that? Is that of ep part episode one? Like, I don't know. I wish, I wish I had it's the It's got to be a website that. that does this. How many people have achievement in Steam? Like, there's got to, there must be a website that tracks this. It's like it used to be very easy to find that information in Steam. Global Steam. Aha. Aha. Sign into Steam community to compare. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's, I, I want to know now. Let's see yeah, if we can I'm figure really this interested. out. Because uh, no doubt achievements are probably the way to figure this out. Uh, so, okay, let's go here. Uh, Steam is claiming that you can actually do this right off the bat. Um, I, I just don't know how. Exactly. Yeah, it used to be easy. It used to be right there on the game, but they changed that several years ago. Yeah, you know, there's, there's got to be a website that just has a list of global achievements. I mean, that's a super obvious thing to do and very easy to crawl that data, too. I'm just not 100% sure how. Uh, let's look for Walking Dead. That one's confusing because it has multiple seasons. Right. Um, so where... I mean, just do Wolf, uh, Wolf Among, Among Us. You, uh, I'll ha Here we go. Global Achievements. All right, found it. Um, okay, so for season one... Um, man, only 81% of people have bought this game even finished chapter one of episode one. For fuck's yep. sake. Whoa, really? Alright, uh, here we go. Here we go. Here's your data. Um, what remains? Completed chapter 8 of episode 5, 40%. So, for the first season of Walking Dead, uh, they lost over 60% of their people. Like, 60% of their people didn't reach the end of it. And the drop-off is... Um, what's the drop-off between episode 1 and 2? 
the drop-off between episode one and two is more statistically significant than the drop-off behind that. So basically, I a imagine, lot of people yeah. played ep one and didn't play anything else. And then what if you're into episode two, you're more likely to have beaten episode three because there's only a 9% drop-off between episode one, uh, episode two and episode three for the first chapter. And then mm. for, epi- it goes for episode four, there is uh, only a 4% drop-off. So yeah, basically once people get further into the series, they're more likely to finish it. But there is a... St- a very statistically significant drop-off between episode one and two. That's for Walking Dead, which is like their most popular game. Yeah. I wonder what Game of Thrones is like for this. Yeah, yeah. probably terrible. It's probably well, bad. I mean, here's another another great example is looking at the achievements uh, for Wolf Among Us. 83% of the people who got the uh, game only completed the first episode of chapter one. So 83% of the people who even just bought it beat cha- uh, episode one. Or, or chapter one of episode one, and then beat the entire game was fifty four percent. Wow, so that's uh, another. I mean, that's another drop. I'd be, I'd be massive drop off on Game of Thrones. Um, eighty one percent of people beat chapter one of episode one. Fifty six percent of people beat chapter one of episode two. Mm-hmm. Also, bear in mind that this is even more. There's even more statistical significance here because the the actual drop off is even worse because you can buy this on an episode by episode basis. So this right. is. This wouldn't track someone that never bought episode two to begin with, but bought episode yep. one. So the yep. actual drop-off is far higher That's than what, what the, say, the yeah. stats show. <clears throat> um, but you can very clearly see the drop-off slows as you get further and further in, because once obviously people are committed to it, those are the people that bought the whole series and are into that model. Uh, so yeah, the mm-hmm. drop-off on Game of Thrones is pretty bad. Um, you know, Other Telltale games show that too. I'd be interested to know how many people out of the people who stopped playing, bought the entire experience before it was released. Yes. Because that's probably what they're bargaining on to make a lot of their money. Yeah. Right. And you do usually save a little bit of money there. Yep. But it's, you know, if you present an episodic series, then yeah, of course you can sell it in $5 chunks and then some people might decide just not to buy the next chunk, which to be fair is consumer friendly. I like that model. Yeah, totally. Simultaneously, you can shoot yourself in the foot that way. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I bought The Walking Dead, the whole thing for my wife. She played like two episodes of it and then stopped playing it. You know, yeah. so yeah. I'm sure there's a lot more people out there that did exactly the same thing, but yet mm-hmm. they made their money. It doesn't matter if no one plays the last episode. So yeah, definitely, it would be interesting <clears> to see a wide study with a comparison to standard games as well. Plus, you also need the data of uh, purchases, which I don't think Steam Spy can give you. So you need to know. I don't think Steam Spy tracks DLC sales, if I recall correctly. Um, I might be wrong there, but what I'd want to know is like, okay, how many people bought the full pack and how many people bought each episode? Steam Spy does not break that down. So I know Steam Spy data is pretty accurate, but since it doesn't break it down by episode purchase and just says, this person played one of the Walking Dead episodes, then you can't really use that data accurately. And Telltale certainly ain't going to fucking tell you because it probably reveals that their business model has problems. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. That it doesn't because everyone buys the full price thing and and gets mm-hmm. all the episodes up front and they and make then all just their doesn't money. play half of them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Minecraft story mode is incredible. Look at the achievements. Of all the people who bought it, only sixty one percent beat chapter one, episode one. Whoa. Wow. They had that big old problem with Minecraft Story Mode 2 where all of these kids were buying it and going, this isn't Minecraft, and then they never touched it again. Right. (laughs) And then people like me who were like, why would I want to play a story based in the Minecraft universe? 
And can't you play the first chapter in like cute. 15 it's minutes? It's a cute game, I think. So literally but, people were not yeah. even willing to play through 15 minutes of it. That's a huge <laughs> wow. drop-off. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So um, episodic games probably don't work very well. <laughs> but to be fair, Telltale still sells millions of them anyway. So hey. Uh, especially on iOS, by the way. Uh, episodic stuff on iOS tends to work very well. Just Oh, does, God. Probably does well. Just, right? to, just to round it out. The, the most recent episode of story mode, people who beat the most recent episode, 27% have that achievement. Mm, that's a big drop. Wow. Big drop. Then again, most people who buy games on Steam don't even play them anyway. Of course. True. Yeah, but then again, a lot of them, we have, a lot of them yeah. are buying, the thing is like a lot of that data comes from buying them cheap in a sale. Because it's like, yeah, oh, better true. buy this because I'd be, I'd be losing money not to. And then just I mean, never play it. One of the games I have on Steam, like 40% of the people who bought it never played it. Yeah. And that's, I've, that's I've fine. Like, like, that's expected that half the people almost... Shouldn't be that way. Ever... That's crazy. It shouldn't well, be that I, way. I, I don't but know. I mean, it's, it's a Steam, Steam sales, sales culture, work, you know? It's like, this is 80% off. I should grab it. Because it's like, it's three bucks. Who cares if I don't even play it, you know? Right. Yeah. But for new games, episodic games, you know, obviously Walking Dead has been on sale before, but stuff like Minecraft Story Mode, I don't think has yet. So seeing that drop off and that is huge. Mm. interesting very interesting yeah if you want to check those stats out yourself and do a little bit of research just bear in mind that you know the stats are not complete and you need to be careful about how you interpret them if you head over to steam right. community basically if you search a game there's then a little thing in the top right hand corner that says view stats you then click global achievements so you, then you'll see how many people have completed each achievement in that game yeah before someone goes off to write a like the next important article about this information there is nothing scientific <laughs> yeah. about Qu what we Quit just it, Kotaku. <laughs> yeah. What we just said was not scientific at all. There was no, no not in the slightest. No. It was just information we saw and noticed. It's That's incomplete it. data. no correlation. Yeah, it's incomplete data. You know, as people have accurately pointed out, it doesn't uh, count the people that played offline, which I don't think is a statistically significant number, but I can't be sure of that. It doesn't count iOS users. This is only on PC. You know, so it's very incomplete data, but it, it definitely shows some interesting interesting stats yep totally people are like i'd expect that from polygon it's like no that no the polygon wouldn't write that it's like polygon would be like 10 reasons why achievements are oppressive to minorities or something like that that would be what they'd write uh what else have we got then uh let's see i mean it's been a fairly dry news week honestly I mean, none of you have seen the strategic butt covering video, so I guess we can't oh, talk God, about that. Oh, God, no, the new, the new Saki video? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, no. It's, <laughs> it's also, she, she, she should rename it Cherry Picking Frequency, you know? Yeah. Or Cherry Picking Infrequency, maybe. It's like, quick, look for all of the games that prove my point. <laughs> Fuck off. That's not yeah. how you do things. Uh, all right. It's like, I don't so, know, yeah. maybe in 2025 she'll actually complete all her Kickstarter promises. Who knows? <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Take money from people and then don't do what you're supposed to do. I'm going to call you an idiot for that. I'm going to call you a big meanie. Yeah, you're big, big old nasty meanie. There's my misogyny in action. You're a big meanie. You're a stupid doo-doo head. You're a poopy face. <laughs> yeah. Should we do the releases? Oh, we could. Yeah, yeah. Let's, because the, the really is like, <laughs> fuck all ah. to talk about yeah, right there's, now. There's nothing to talk about. Yeah. It's like, yeah, let's talk about a rumor for GTA 5 DLC. Or, you know, we could not. <laughs> let's do releases. I I didn't give you the releases, did I? Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm a dick. I'm sorry. Here you go. Here's what he says. This, is, Yay, we're gonna, this show's going to end early. Um, which is fine because I really need a shower. All right. I would like to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have kept you up all night. Thank you very much for sticking around, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that's fine, man. That's it's fine. been great. It's, it's fun uh, to be on the show. Okay, so today is January the 19th, and we have Attractio coming out today. Is that a dating sim? Apparently. Attractio? Yeah. I hope so. I yeah. better, I hope it's a super physics game. It's obviously that. Yeah. <laughs> Be the first to change gravity and solve hard, deadly physics puzzles. <laughs> but weirdly enough, it's also in a controversial reality show setting. Which is, it's kind of, it almost seems like Portal crossed with Running Man. It actually looks kind of cool, like... What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll need dexterity and cleverness to pass throughout the challenging levels in this controversial reality show. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. people... Oh, fuck! I didn't even read this, and one of the box quotes is literally when Running Man meets Portal. <laughs> there you go. We're on the same wavelength. Ah, oh, it all came together. Jada Griffin of Nerd Reactor. We're communicating telepathically. We get it. <laughs> yeah, this actually looks neat. Uh, like, it looks really pretty, and it looks like they put a lot of work into it. This might be worth having a look at. Cool. Next up, we've got Gemini Heroes Reborn. That is, weirdly enough, a game based in the, the television show Heroes Reborn. Which, oh. Yeah. Is it? Yes. Which oh. is weird. Weird. You yeah. play Cassandra, unlock incredible powers unique to the Heroes universe. Um, it seems like it's a third-person action adventure of some sort. Yeah, she keeps opening portals and like sucking guys into portals and stuff to like alternate yeah. realities. Eh, it's kind of cool. I don't know if it'd be good, but it's kind of cool. I mean, I'm always very, very uh, skeptical of licensed games like this, but mm. you know, it, it's actually getting fairly positive ratings right now, so maybe it huh. might not suck. Hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, next. Uh, next, I'm gonna do my best to pronounce this right. Kasira El Wasat. International edition. Interesting. What's this all about? It is a stealth action adventure set in the enigm set in an enigmatic 12th century Syrian palace. Play oh. as an invisible and fragile creature summoned from another world to complete an assassination mission. Wouldn't a stealth game where you're invisible be quite easy? I was gonna say <laughs> that doesn't seem like a stealth game. That seems like a walk up and murder somebody game. I was gonna say that seems like cheating. <laughs> Uh, Unless they have really good blood spray effects, and if you kill somebody and you get sprayed by the blood, then everybody will be able to see you. Apparently, there's a lot of traps in it and stuff like that. Oh, so that's that's got a lot to do with it. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Uh, well, the next game is called The Deadly Tower of Monsters. Okay, this better be comedic, and it looks like it is. Fire up your ray guns, crystal swords, and laser whips, and get ready for thrills and chills. Uh, it is a decidedly B-movie level sci-fi exploit with star Dick Starspeed, Scarlet Nova, and Robot. All the reviews so far, like, it's, like, that good bad. Like, that kind of just, like, real, like, yeah, B-movie awful. I'm that just might trying to be, figure out what kind fun. of game it is. Um, I don't know. Apparently it has, apparently you get director's commentary with it, and apparently that's really funny. I'm just trying to figure out, like, what what is it? Um, yeah, it's difficult to understand what it this actually is. This guy's flying is. and shooting King It looks Kong? like a kind of B-movie action platformer kind of thing. Hmm. Oh, it's made by Ace Team? As in the guys that made Rock of Ages, Xenoclash, and Abyss Odyssey? I'm in. It's fucking Ace Team. It's going to be great. You kidding me? Ace. Ace Team are amazing. I'm all over them. All right. Cool. Next up is called The Aquatic Adventure of the Last Human. That is a long name. Mm. I would last say so. Human. Human. The last human. human. 
Explore the ruins of the alien of the human race and discover the thriving wildlife that blossomed after our extinction. Encounter monstrous creatures and let curiosity guide you through an incredible voyage of dis uh, an in inevitable voyage of extinction. Um, it's kind of pixel art. It actually looks a lot like Risk of Rain. A it lot. does, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got a really Risk of Rain esque art style, very pixel art esque. So it's exploration, kind of boss fighting ish thing. Okay. Yeah, maybe a bit roguelite of some sort, I guess. Cool. Uh, next up is Resident Evil Zero HD Remaster. Oh, I mean, that, that speaks for itself. Resident Evil Zero <laughs> was fucking awesome on GameCube, I believe. So this, you know, if you're looking for a classic, classic Resident Evil experience, this one's probably going to be pretty good. I mean, the, the remake of the, they made of Resident Evil 1, I thought was awesome for what it was, you know. So I'm not a big fan of Resident Evil games, but this looks... This looks pretty solid. Next up, we've got No One But You. No One But You. It is a dating sim. It's a dating sim. Visual yeah. novel. Yeah. Yep. Anime bullshit. There you go. Next. Great. Darkest Dungeon, which Darkest we talked Dungeon. about. Yeah, we're very uh, well aware of that. Blade okay. and Soul, which is the new MMO that just uh, came out. Ah, yes. That's the new MMO hotness that people are all like. Wasn't Strippin' playing a bunch of that? Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our good friend Maggie is their yep. community manager. Indeed, she's been on the podcast. Super several heavy times. PvP face. So if you're like a PvP dude, oh, is it? That's like huh. your jam. Yeah. I okay. did not know that. Okay. Maybe I'm more interested in it now. Huh. <laughs> uh, and last up today is the Life is Strange Limited Edition. So moving on to January 20th, we've got Bus Simulator 16. <laughs> Amazing. I was like, like how they're really just honest about that. It's like, yes, yeah, probably like the 16th one we've made. Uh, I mean, it is exactly what it says on the tin. The tin. Perfect. I'm. I might actually play that. <laughs> Why? Just to see what it's like. I just want to know. Why not? TV. I just. I just want to know. I want to know what is so. Com I like Euro Truck Simulator. Maybe it's okay. I think a lot of people like know. that, but I don't think any of the other games are that as good as that. You know. No. American Truck Simulator is coming out soon. Hmm. Should be interesting. Great. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yay. Uh, we've got Homeworld Desert, which is actually Tech. out today, not tomorrow. But yeah, uh, actually no, it is. Oh, sorry, it is out tomorrow. Sorry, I keep forgetting. I actually have things that you don't. Okay, never thanks mind. for saving me <laughs> fifty bucks on that. By the way, no worries. Anytime. Yeah. Uh, a Vita game, Atelier Esha and Logi Plus. That's another Atelier game. Yeah. JRPG. If Vita is a JRPG machine, a dating sim game these days. Oh, did you hear uh, Danganronpa is coming to Steam? Coming to PC? Yes. I know. Yeah. I'm yes. really jealous about that. That's neat and unexpected. Yeah. Japan's finally getting it. Love mm -hmm. it. They're All like, right. oh, maybe this is how we get people to play our game. Maybe people Next actually buy things here. Is Marcus Level. Uh, okay. What? 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 What is that? Uh, that's his and coolie bitter. No, it's actually not that. Um, Marcus thought that while his parents were away, he could play his favorite video game, Gorber and the Valley of the Seven Light Towers. Unfortunately, he got transported into the video game itself. It's Whoa! Whoa! Yes. It's a platformer. Marcus! Wow, Marcus! Wow! Marcus. It's a, a platformer. Next. Great. Next up, we got Sickness. Good luck looking for that game. <laughs> da down with the sickness. Hmm. Get up. I would play that. Get down with I the found, sickness. I found it instantly. It's a visual. Oh, it's nice. a, it's actually up. a visual novel. It's a visual novel. Oh yeah. god. Someone's holding a gun to someone's head. This looks uh there's a lot of murder in this. This is a lot of anime murder, it seems. It sounds like it's not so much sickness as it is just murder. Uh, 
Uh, next up, we've got Scrap Mechanic. Okay. Wouldn't that be like just most mechanics? Like, yeah, that seems a little redundant. Scrap Mechanic is a machine-filled paradise of... It's a basically a crafting multiplayer early access thing where you put vehicles together. It's got a cutesy little art style that reminds me of Yogg Ventures, only the game might actually come out, so we'll see. Next... Next up is Six Sides of the World. The world does not have sides. That is bullshit. You don't uh, know. It's a puzzle. It's a puzzle game. Great. Uh, yes. It's a it's a kind of sci-fi puzzle game with cubes. Lots of cubes. Hmm. And Crudeless. Crudeless. Here's the thing. It's a RPG. Kind of looks RPG makery, but I'm intrigued that the whole premise is. I'm looking at this. It's you play the last sixty minutes of a guy's life. In a non-linear plot with 12 endings. That kind of okay. seems neat. Hmm. Right? I think that's kind of cool. Will you manage to solve the mystery of your own death and you have to do it in 60 minutes? Huh. That's, cool. that's a neat idea. I mean, I yeah. usually I avoid these, I avoid these RPG maker style games. So do I. Everything everything on Steam that looks like this, I immediately disc discount yeah, it. Yeah, I, I avoid it because I'm like... I, I, probably, just... I probably shouldn't. This one looks kind of neat. This one might be worth having to look at. All right, on January 21st, Let's Sing 2016. C could we not? And then <laughs> that we've got Crashlands. That, that would be weird. Oh, it doesn't say. Yeah, it is. Let, yeah, karaoke for PC. Yeah, be lonely as fuck. <laughs> oh, dear. There you go. Okay. Uh, Crashlands is the game after that. Uh, Crashlands. That is... Yeah, story-driven crafting ARPG. Uh, it's sort of mm, the retro-inspired looking thing. Kind of Terraria-ish by the looks of it. Yeah. Cool. The Rise of Chubtan? Question Can mark? I just say that is, I wish I <laughs> wish that was a hentai game. It's not. <laughs> rise of Chubtan? It is not at all. It's nope. sort of a... Brawling, you're a bunch of Mayan brawler kind of guys knocking each other into lava. It's a, it looks like Smash, basically. Yeah. Kinda, Alrighty. Yeah. Maybe you uh, pick a different name. That's silly. <laughs> no. We've got Bioxivity. That's not a real word. It is. Get used to it. Is it? Google it. It's probably. I not. also can't find this game. I can't find it either. It's not on. It doesn't seem like <laughs> it's on Steam. It's not real. Well, okay. See, next. not even a real word. All right, next. It's called The Minotaur. The Minotaur. All right, well, that's fairly straightforward. It's probably a game involving a Minotaur, right? Uh, let's find Assume. out. Does it have a Minotaur in it? It does. Yay. And the, the, the logo of the fucking games company is a dog, which is great. Yay. Um, it's a sort of, it's just, it's, oh my God, this reminds me, this is fucking Repton. No one is going to... Oh, it's Repton with memes. Okay. So no one is going to remember Repton. Repton was the most fucking infuriating game <laughs> in the 80s, which was you were an alien and you kind of... You pushed blocks around and blocks could fall on you as well and you had to collect all of the stuff in every level. Um, this looks like Repton. Uh, so it can go to hell because Repton made my childhood miserable. Oh, oh. no. Oh, God. All right. Next... Next up is the Westport Independent. Ah, yes. I, yeah, mm. I've been watching this game for a while. I'm really excited for this one. Mm -hmm. What is it? Uh, so if you like Paper, Please, this is along those lines. You are running an independent newspaper in the middle of the rise of a totalitarian regime. 
So okay. the objective is to keep selling your paper, but at the same time, the government is cracking down on you. And so it's about it's, choices you make in order to keep it going. It seems like it's heavily inspired by the uh, the sort of um, experimental game that Lucas Pope made called The Republic of Times, which was a very similar concept to this. Looks like they've fleshed it out a lot more, though. The Republic of Times was a very a very short little game that you released for free. So I'd like to see that um, I'd like to see that fleshed out. So I'm cool yeah. with uh, Westport Independent. Sure. This looks really interesting. Yeah. Cool. I'm all up in that. Uh, and then on January 22nd, we've got Dinocide. Dinocide. I assume that's about killing dinosaurs. I hope so. Oh, I hope. It seems, it seems, yeah. Uh, oh, God. Dinocide <laughs> is a classic NES-inspired old-school single-player platformer. Next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bitblaster XL. <sighs> Can't find it. Bitblaster XL is a retro-style, addictive, fast-paced arcade shoot-em-up. Next. Next is Castle Torgith Descent into Darkness. Uh, it's an early access RPG survival puzzle 3D dungeon crawler game. All right. Looks and like finally, it was made in 1992. Next. <laughs> finally, we got Sven Co-op. Oh, the classic. That was one of the best mods for old Half-Life. Yeah, yeah wait, is this a real thing? Because I know it's a yeah. mod. What? Uh, I think, because remember, they're doing like standalone releases of a lot of mods now uh, on Steam. So yeah, I think this is like an updated uh, version of Sven Co-op, which was one of the... This was one of the fucking originals, man. This was it uh, really is. They it had twenty. This came out in nineteen ninety nine. Huh? Wow. Yep. That's it's, really cool. That it's wow. yeah. It's it's it so is. neat. That's cool. I mean, I think co-op has vastly, vastly advanced since Sven co-op, but at that time, Sven co-op was uh, you know it was one of the only games you could do that in. So it's a big deal. There you go. Cool. That's it. We yeah, cool. We're done. Great. That wraps us up at about the right time. So before we go, we'd love you to watch <clears> our videos, especially in January. <clears> the <throat> ad revenue is fucking hot rubbish. Uh, so Idiotech, uh, why don't you tell us what's coming up over the next few weeks on your channel? What do you got going on? Uh, I'll be covering pretty much every AAA game. And oh, well, aren't you fancy? Yes. And, <laughs> uh, and small indie games that I think are interesting. That's basically what I do. I review games and you can find me at youtube.com slash idiotechgaming. Or you can just Google Idiotech and you'll probably find me. Very cool. Dodger, what's going on with your channel this week? What's going on? Uh, well, the very last episode of Until Dawn is going to be going up, and then we're going to start putting up Aviary Attorney. Everyone is going to die. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> They're all My name going is to not die death bonus. in a variety of different ways. It's not true. I don't kill anybody. <laughs> it's never my fault. Uh, yeah, so if you'd like to watch that, it's been a great roller coaster of emotions. And uh, right after this, I'm going to be streaming some more Final Fantasy with my cousin. And tonight we've got Manga Pod. If you're into manga, we read Seven Deadly Sins, chapters 1 through 29, and we're going to talk about it book club style. So that will also be on my channel tonight. You're going to talk about it in the club style? Huh? You're going to talk about it in the club style? Book, so book, book. Book kind, kind, of, kind of like kind of like the, the club singing style. <laughs> We're talking about fairy tale. Uh, TV, I think that you would be a wonderful manga podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm now referencing late '90s comedy game time. shows in, in in the UK, and most people probably do not get any of it, but. <laughs> Uh, Jesse, what's going on on the channel this week? What's going on? Uh, you should tune in to watch Crendor and I play... I'm sorry, myself and Stephen Hawking play <laughs> Get Out of Hell. 
the <laughs> greatest, the greatest Let's Play series in the history of Let's Play series. I'm not saying Crendor found a chair that he does not get out of and does a <laughs> Stephen Hawking voice the entire time, but it's amazing and you should watch. That's oh, all I'm going to say. Great. Uh, I shall call forth the dove from above to tell you a little bit about uh, what's going on with my channel this week. I actually have no fucking idea. Uh, no, I do. I actually have a plan this week. I, honest, as long as I don't lose my voice by the end of this show, I have a plan. I'm going to do a Warframe video. I'm going to do a Rainbow Six video. I'm going to do um, a, probably a Darkest Dungeon video and a planet-based video, which I've been meaning to do for a fucking month and still haven't got around to doing. But I'm going to do it, and there's going to be that, and then if there's anything that happens in the games industry, I'll talk about it for a long period of time and you'll watch it. <laughs> uh, that's, that's kind of my business strategy right now. It's working really fucking well. What I will say, what also worked really fucking well, is Secret Sundays broke the stream record for this channel. <laughs> Over the last six years, at 42,000 concurrent viewers to watch us play a stupid card game about finding Lizard Hitler. I it's just want to play a card game. A fucking a great card fantastic game. Fantastic looking game. I haven't played it yet, but it's I'm totally so much fun. Uh, yeah. So we are going to do it again. Uh, Secret Sundays is going to be a thing for a while, basically until we've milked it for all it's worth. So 24th of January on a Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern, same time every week for Secret Sundays. I do not have an announcement as to who's going to be on it yet, but I'm. We're thinking. We're thinking couples' night. Just a bit of a hint. We're thinking couples' night. So, if you're looking for relationship drama, then we might have a lot of that. Yeah, that should be very interesting. We'll see how many weddings we can get called off. <laughs> it will. It'll be great. It will. It will be great. But the stream did super well, so I'm really, really happy. If you want to watch the vods, they're already up. Uh, Someone claimed I had 100,000 concurrents for SimCity. No, I did not. That is bullshit. I've never had 100,000 concurrent viewers. I don't think any individual streamer has ever had that. I think the highest I've ever seen was Syndicate at like 75,000 for Maya Knight. I think is the highest I've ever seen for one dude. Mm. So no, no, no one's, no one's ever been that high up. Uh, but yeah, we, we did really well. I'm told by many people that we broke the board game record. Um, we're not 100% not sure if we broke the card game record. We may have broken the Magic the Gathering record, but we're not 100% sure. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be doing that again. The first part of the VOD is already up. The second part actually should be up now, but I don't think Chris has released it yet. The VOD is wow. up on my... Oh, that's why, because it's it's not pro. It's still 360p. You can't see shit. So it'll be, it'll be out later. Yeah, so there'll be more Secret Sundays. I, I promise you of that, because everyone seems to really fucking love that game, and we do too. Uh, but can I make one, one, I just want to, one little, one little thing before I go, one little, slight little thing. Can we please stop with the whole X is mean to Y criticism? I am sick of it. It's, <laughs> it's in a game where people are fascists and liberals. <laughs> we're being too mean to each other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yo, we, st right. I, I just want to say, like, I know you guys come and watch our show every oh week and we, God. we love it. We love it. It's great that you come here. Please don't think that you know us personally, because uh, you don't. I, you know, oh you no, really I fully, don't. I fully intend to send shit to Dodger's wedding. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was yeah. that was the best line in the entire. No, show. no, you guys, pretty good. Here, here, here's the real me. That's far too much work. I'd have to shit in a box, mail the thing, make it so it doesn't smell, go to the wedding, watch her expression. That's that's real, Jesse. I I wouldn't do that. That's so boring. It's no. much like the slap. Yeah. 
He said he was going to come into my room and slap me. I didn't even <laughs> lock my door because I knew, knew he wasn't that was going never, to do it. ever going to fucking happen. Yeah, someone got, Too much a couple work. of people got super angry. Like, oh, he's so mean to Krenno. He's a fucking piece of shit. I'm glad I unsubscribed. It's like, <laughs> me? Great. No, me. It's like, oh. it's just, it's, we're playing roles. Wait, whoa, whoa. <laughs> never <laughs> just... mind. I'm not going to say anything. The man who literally was like, oh, fuck, I'm never going to invite Krenno. And then Krenno is on. If, at that point, you didn't realize that I not was serious? not being serious. <laughs> Get out of town. Oh, God. Seriously, YouTube is like reality TV, right? There are people that pretend it isn't, but we all we all turn ourselves up to 11 to be yep. on YouTube. You know, we have to be. So that we're playing a character. Seriously, yeah. we are. Please. If we had problems with yeah. each other, we'd sort that out privately. Like, we're 30 we years old. We're on a show together, question mark? <laughs> yeah. We're not 12. Like... Yeah, There's no high school drama going on here. Boxes and send it to friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's my character, I guess. God damn it! <laughs> my character would like you, you branded to go to yourself my well, Jesse. Oh my god, we just it's what what's so amazing to me is that you know before we even started playing that game, we said, look, Secret Hitler has caused like friendships to break. Uh, more like a social deduction games uh, in the wrong group can really cause real fights. But ironically, the only real fights that are happening are from the viewers, not the players. So. Stop it. Right, Stop we're breaking it. the illusion. All those ships are crashing on the shores of despair, TB. Indeed. We're ruining it. I'm, we're I'm, ruining a, I'm uh, exposing the business is the wrestling term. Breaking kayfabe here. It's predetermined. We don't care about who wins. All right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for watching the Cautional Podcast. A, a big thanks to our sponsor today, who, of course, is crunchyroll.com slash totalbiscuit. Head on over there for a free trial for unlimited anime. And all that sort of thing. Go watch the live-action Death Note series to make my wife upset. There we go. Go she watch does. Erased. It's legitimately good. You could do that. Big thanks, of course, to our guest today, Idiotech Gaming. Go and check out his channel over on YouTube. And you can go to sleep now. Thank you Yay. very much. All right. It's been a great show. Thank you very much for watching, folks. We will be back at the same time. No, we won't, actually. We'll be back on Wednesday. Wednesday. The 27th with literally our most famous guest ever, WWE superstar Xavier Woods will be joining us for three hours of talking about video games. This Are is gonna either going to be amazing or go horribly wrong. What was that? Sorry. Are you going to fanboy? I'm going to try not to. I'm going to try not to see you. No, I'm not going to. Like, no one wants me to. Uh, it's like, so, so what's he like backstage? No one wants that. <laughs> Nobody wants that. I'll be talking about video games. Yeah. Well, so that is, uh, we had to move it because uh, obviously he tapes SmackDown on a Tuesday, so he couldn't be there. So he's flying back to do the podcast on the 27th of January 2016 at 3 p.m. Eastern. Xavier, Xavier Woods from WWE is coming. He runs the gaming channel on YouTube, which is Up Up Down Down. So he is an actual gamer and it should be amusing. I This could be career making or career breaking for me. I could ruin my entire career based on this show. Or him. Or him. Or, or his. Yes. He'll never. He'll, he just chance. gets fired. <laughs> Has to go wrestle for Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Although you'd probably like that. Anyway, thank you very much for watching, folks. We have been the Corruptional Podcast, and we will see you next time. Goodbye! Bye-bye! Bye. -bye. Bye.